My co-host Jarrett Smith is with me. Jarrett, you there? Yeah, I'm here. It's it started. Oh God, it started. <laughs> Welcome to the 2017 MLS season. Uh, 2016 season ended what about nine and a half hours ago? Maybe ten hours ago. And it's ready to go. <laughs> like uh, Roman had literally nine hours to celebrate that finish, and here we are. Like, yep, we're we are live on a Sunday morning as the MLS trade window is officially open. Um, we're expecting quite a few moves from Atlanta United. Uh, here at DirtySouthSoccer.com, we've reported on quite a few that have been discussed. Uh, there's a new one that popped up this morning um, out of Houston, a rumor that it, Houston could be trading a player to Atlanta. Don't know who that would be. Um, have to stay tuned. No, we picked up, if you haven't already seen, uh, keep up with Dirty South Soccer. If you haven't already seen, uh, it's already been rumored that uh, a player from Orlando coming to Atlanta as well. So, Jason's right. This is going to be three hours of just stupid, stupid things. Like, you're you're condensing (laughs) an entire offseason into three hours. that's 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 the style of moves and the number of moves we might be dealing with here. Yeah, I mean, we've heard uh, as many as five players mentioned so far, and now this Houston unnamed player is another. Uh, I would not be shocked at all to see some trades involving uh, allocation money or international slots especially. So it's going to be a busy three hours. If you guys want to join us, you can call in at 929-477. 4075 and that's also on the uh, blog talk radio blogtalkradio.com slash peachtree post page uh, we'd love to have your calls we'd love to hear what you guys are thinking as the the 2017 season is officially underway oh and i tweeted out last night like as, as soon as that ball went in the back of the net season's over atlanta united is a real thing and the tw- and it's 2017 at that point because we have Atlanta United and Minnesota are on the clock. It's it's real. After this long of waiting, it's real. And this morning is going to kind of, I think, put that into a more very real feeling and more tangible feeling with more people added to the team. We'll get more of a shake out of what the roster might look like coming into Tuesday's draft as well. But, you know, it's it's time. As soon as that trophy was handed out, it was time. And today is kind of the first step there. Um, that's exciting. But um, if you don't see anything popping up, Jason, can I at least get your thoughts on last night's game? Yeah. Um, kind of what you would expect in a final, especially a final that was, what, about 20, 25 degrees. Um, I think the yes. cold did have an effect as the game went on. Uh, like it French, seemed like French trench warfare, like World War One yeah. trench warfare, because that was – that was brutal. Yeah, I mean, they canceled each other out to a degree, and and this is the challenge when you see these types of games where the matchup actually looks like it could be an appealing one. Sometimes they just cancel each other out. What 
Toronto does well, Seattle could counter that. What Seattle does well, Toronto could block it. And it just ended up being a battle. Um, you have to give a ton of credit to Stephen Fry, especially with that save, because it's one of the best saves I've ever seen, especially in that type of moment. Roman Torres was a beast all night. Uh, he really kept Josie out the door under lock and key. Um, I think you could see Toronto get frustrated at times. I thought late in regulation, Seattle, when they when they made their changes and brought on uh, Flaco Fernandez, uh, they really started to get a bit of control of the game, and they were attacking through the middle. But then it just started wearing them down. Like they ran out of gas and just had to hold on. Uh, Giovinco ran out of gas for Toronto and had to come off. Jordan Morris had to come off. Yeah, Giovinco coming off made me like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I, I that made me double take. I I get why you took him off, and things opened up after he came off. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying it was a terrible move. It was just weird. It was unexpected, and um, I was actually at a party with at a party with friends, and I had them turn the game on. So I'm watching the game as I'm talking with everybody, and I got I managed to get a bunch of people to sit down and watch the shootout at the end. I said, "Yo, y'all want to come watch this? Uh, because really stupid things are going to happen." Um, and I just kept joking. I was like, "Oh, oh." Who's going to shoot? Oh, it's not Giovinco for Toronto, so clearly. And then comes up, and um, I, I was excited. I was expecting this morning, and I was excited about this morning just because – and I was sitting on Twitter as all this happens. Like, oh, the hot takes when Michael Bradley goes up there and just squirts a penalty right to the keeper's legs. Is, oh. Yeah, I, and we've I, seen I, him. I wanted him to bury it in the upper 90. I, I, want, I, I, I like it when Bradley answers his doubters, but um, – Sam Franco and I, I think, shared the similar view. Uh, Sam Franco from uh, Mouths of the South and I share a very similar view. Like, I think he dislikes Bradley more than I do. I'm just <laughs> always skeptical of Bradley and very critical of him. And that didn't help when he just, like, side-footed a penalty routinely right, in, right down the middle. And the shame of it is he played one of his better games of the season before that. He was yes, he very did. good in keeping Seattle in check. Um, nothing, nothing pretty. And, and this was probably one of the biggest frustrations I had. And it's probably a lot of casual fans and a lot of, you know, especially MLS haters. Like, oh, this game's ugly. Oh, they can't string passes together. It's a final. I can't tell you how many finals I've seen that were just a brutal fight and slog because all beauty goes out of the game at that point. I mean, it's, you're not going to risk anything. You're trying to win a trophy. So it's not about style points. It's about getting the job done. And that's what finals are. I mean, you've seen it in world cup finals. You've seen it in champions league finals. The MLS final is no exception. So that was what it was. And it was a fight. And I wonder, I mean, Seattle gets their win. Brian Schmetzer, amazing, amazing job to fix everything and right the ship. Nicholas Ladero carried them a long way. I wonder how this affects Toronto moving forward because they put everything into this. And even some Toronto writers have said they kind of felt like this was the culmination of the window that they opened. Will they keep this group together? That's a good question. I mean, do you, what do you do? Do you build on it or do you try to build on it from here? Um, do you kind of blow it up? Not all the way. Do you keep maybe the core, maybe a couple of core guys and try and rebuild? I don't know how you go about that. Um, it was, uh, you're right though. It was a slog. It was just, like I said, it was trench warfare. It was, it was 90 plus minutes 
of just stupid, sluggish trench warfare. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, Rob Ustry is actually calling for Atlanta. He's demanding that Atlanta announce mixed disc route. So um, that's going to be like <laughs> the next three hours of our lives. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, shout um, out to uh, ATL UTD Prospects on Twitter for uh, giving us a shout out and listening in. Thanks. And And if you're not following them, they are a must follow when it comes to the Academy. Uh, great work, great insight and great updates out of those guys. Uh, ATL UTD prospects, follow them for sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of fun though. Like it was, it was one of those games. It was ugly every time, uh, especially in the second half going into overtime or extra time, excuse me. Every time I thought someone had a counter, it was just, it just fizzled out. And I kept thinking, we're going to see a goal on a counter. And I, honestly, I thought Seattle was going to score a goal on a counter, and we were going to have one of those games where Seattle wins uh, 1-0, and the shots are 17-1. to But I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they did not have a shot on goal. So That is true. Seattle had three shots, zero on goal. Um, they, they did what they had to do, and that's what it comes down to. Is It, it wasn't pretty, but... I don't think they're going to have a zero for shots on goal on the, the side of that trophy. It doesn't matter. They, they oh, got exactly. the job done. They won the trophy. They did what they've been, you know, their mission has been since they came into this league. And that, you know, gives us an easy, you know, switch over to Atlanta United because Atlanta is coming in with the same type of, I guess, attitude as Seattle did, where they're not coming in as a meek expansion team, like, oh, we'll build over a few years and blah, blah, blah. They're coming in to be a player day one. And I think some moves that will happen today will will put the club on that path quickly. And this is this is probably if, – if Seattle – and a lot of people have said, well, Toronto was MLS 2.0 – Maybe maybe 1.5 or 1.75. I think Seattle and what they've done with crowds, with just intent of building a mega club, I think they are truly MLS 2.0. Now, is Atlanta taking it to the next generation in MLS 3.0 when you're talking about bringing in young, talented players from South America similar to how Seattle did with Freddie Montero, but you're bringing in two young designated players off the jump. You've got a, you know, U.S. best, maybe best two or three academy in the country. You've got a ton of U.S. youth internationals in this club already. This is really the potential to see MLS take another step forward. And it's, it's kind of fitting that Seattle wins the trophy the year before Atlanta comes in because of that. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I think I've seen it described as Minnesota can be MLS 3.0, the next phase. And Atlanta is basically MLS 3.5 in what <laughs> yeah. they're doing that they're, they're taking it another step forward more so than people expected. Um, I think we've discussed this before and I know people have bantered around with it. The idea that Atlanta is really just, they, they're basically laying out the groundwork for how you build a franchise going forward, how what you can expect from LAFC or, you know, the any of the gaggle of 
teams that are trying to make the jump to the MLS, what you could expect from them, not to say that everybody will spend money the same way, but how they target things with uh, young DPs, more exciting DPs, um, kind of going in the other direction from what we've seen in the past where you blow your money on a you know veteran who's got a couple years left in the legs and just mark it off of that. Uh, the idea that you're going to market off of wins instead of just one or two guys and that you're going to build the foundation through the academy. Uh, we may have seen kind of – we'll see how it plays out, but I think it may be the well, – no matter what happens this season with Atlanta United, I think we've seen the groundwork of how you build the team going forward. It doesn't have to be a raving success for Atlanta. They could be a middle-of-the-road team next year, and I still think that's the way going forward just in hindsight of, oh, well – well, that's a damn good academy, and that's a lot of really young, exciting talent. That's how you build going forward. And I think that's what we're going to see out of L.A. and other teams as they come up is to lay that foundation first instead of just kind of putting it on the back burner, so to speak. It's it's a big move for the league. This is going to be a big jump, and – you know, a lot of people looked at this past MLS Cup uh, last night with the first time you had two non-original teams in the Cup, in the Cup final. Uh, it, it feels kind of like a window's closing and a new day is, is upon us. Uh, it's going to be a big deal here. A um, couple more shout-outs. Lewis Martin, a uh, good friend, first time, first ever caller to the Beach Street Post. Uh, he's listening in. Uh, on its way to church. Thanks, Lewis. We appreciate it as always. And got a bunch of new followers on Twitter. So thanks, you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Peachtree underscore post. Um, follow uh, myself at Longshoe and follow Jarrett at Jarrett underscore Smith. A uh, little, I, I don't know what, what we we're really expecting this morning if trades were going to start happening straight away. Um, Paul Tenorio from 442. I know. He just said, not sure it'll be super busy, though, for the trade window. Yeah. All the uh, love to Paul Tenorio. I, 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 <laughs> if, he, he, if he rewrote the dictionary, I'd probably read it, but don't, don't ruin my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see where this goes. There's, um, I mean, like we said, there's, at a minimum, quite a few different moves that have been rumored for Atlanta United. And we're going to wait and see just a little bit to see what happens. But check those out at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Uh, we've covered all of the, I think, essential rumors that are out there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about goalkeeper and a lot of talk about where that can go. And that thing has went in about three different directions since it broke, what, Friday afternoon. Um, well, really, before that, with Sean Johnson being headed to Atlanta. It, and it, now this has, been a two-week ex- this has been a two-week exodus of just, like, of information. Yeah, and now it looks like it could be a very short stop with Atlanta United for Sean Johnson and Brad Guzan, U.S. national team goalkeeper, could be the man in goal for Atlanta United opening the 2017 season. I believe there's still some things to get finalized for all of that to happen. I mean, we still haven't seen the official trade on Sean Johnson, so let's let's slow our roll here. But that's a kind of crazy move that I don't think anybody expected. You know, probably a month ago it was all Zach McMath or uh, let's just get a goalkeeper in the expansion draft. And it's went to a completely different place than we expected. I mean, I had heard speculation, nothing concrete that uh, Chicago was interested in, um, 
in replacing Sean Johnson with a certain international goal, international goalkeeper. And that was kind of where I was thinking like, okay, well, that makes sense. If they lose Sean Johnson, they might, you know, they might just bring, uh, they might bring Gazan in. That'd just be another big name to add to the pile considering they're trying to rebuild the brand up in Chicago. But uh, the fact that Sean Johnson might be in Atlanta for exactly as long as Pau Gasol was is really kind of jarring, to be honest. Whew, not even going to get the uh, Rasheed Wallace one game. <laughs> there is no there is no one game Rasheed Wallace. Um, oh. That's and that's it's it's a very weird feeling because I was excited about Sean Johnson. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm I'm good with this. It's like uh, actually, you guys might you might be having Brad Guzan and going like. I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm okay. I'm assuming for one thing that um, if if I had to, if gone to my head, if I had to guess, I'd assume they're going to do if they've got the if they've got the allocation money, which we think they have. I'd assume they're going to buy down Guzan. He won't be a DP. If if that's, that's the route, that's they're going. all the reports that are out there is that he would not be a designated player. Um, let me let me break that down real fast and get super MLS soccer nerd on you for a minute. The targeted allocation money is what gives Atlanta United a lot of flexibility in making things happen right now because they're sitting on approximately about, I think, two and a half uh, million dollars in TAM because of the, how the things overlap. So when TAM first originated, it was $100,000 over a five-year period. You could bring it forward, so you could bring the 2019 money up and use it now. It went so well, then last year they gave $800,000 that had to be used by the summer window of 2017. So that money would be available to Atlanta United, along with at least some of that original $500,000. Uh, not sure if they're going to give them the 2015 money. I don't know. So... 800000 from last year they have to use by the summer, plus $1.2 million they're giving this year that Don Garber just announced that has to be used by the summer of 2018. They have a lot of money to work with. So oh, to be able to bring by in – By 2018, challenge accepted. Yeah, exactly. So to be able to bring in a player like Brad Kuzan, who these types – these TAM moves affect players who are making – more than the maximum salary. So they would be designated players plus or up to a million dollars a year. So it's not the mega contracts. It's the smaller designated player contracts that can be worked in via TAM. And Atlanta United has a lot of TAM to work with. A, a lot of teams have used it in different ways so far. Atlanta United's fresh with it. So Brad Kuzan would likely be – well, he'd have to be a TAM signing. I, I don't see how they could get him for under the maximum. Uh, possibly Kenwin Jones could be a TAM signing, and we don't know that yet. There could be more. There's lots of flexibility with this. And TAM doesn't pay for the whole contract either, so don't think that, okay, if Brad Kuzan's making a million dollars, then, oh, that's most of your TAM. You can buy it down to the level you want to buy it down. So you could buy it down to 300000 of a cap hit and use 700,000 and still have more to work with. It could get, it could get really weird. Um, it's crossed my mind. It, we've talked about the idea of them flipping Johnson because that's coming to the news. That doesn't mean he's the only one that could happen to. They could flip. I'm not going to say they're, they're not going to flip one of their DPs. Don't get me wrong. There are other players they could flip. They could decide this morning, hey, uh, we should, um, well, we've got an opportunity to flip so it was so for such and such. Like, yeah, it could happen. 
I mean, it's it's one of those things where you've given them a three-hour window and taken the chains off. They could be presented with a deal that uh, creates a very interesting situation for them. So I'm not saying I'm not saying you're going to expect Canwin Jones somewhere other than Atlanta, but uh, you, you never know what they could decide to do because somebody could demand money or could could request money and or a player down the road. Um, and as you said, with all the target allocated money, Atlanta's got so many chips they can bargain with if they want to make moves, uh, but beyond what we've seen. Definitely, and there's a couple things to keep in mind as well about some of those moves. We've talked about it a lot, and you guys have as well. International slots are going to be an issue with the squad as it's been constructed so far. So they're going to have to pick up some additional international slots one way or another. They could do that by trading draft picks or general allocation money or targeted allocation money. That will have to happen at some point. It doesn't necessarily have to happen today, but it will happen at some point ahead of the roster announcement in February. Uh, We've got Robin Seguini listening to us today. Uh, thanks, Robin. Good friend of the show. Um, and some new additional Twitter followers, as always. Thanks to you all for supporting this. Uh, this is going to be an interesting morning. It's been a little slow so far, which is okay. Uh, let that coffee kick in and let uh, Roman Torres finish celebrating, because I'm sure he has been all night. <laughs> oh, he deserves to. That was, I think, my favorite part um, – I think my favorite part last night was in the fifth in the fifth round of penalties, the last chance. Like Seattle had to had to score. Was like oh, Seattle's got. To, I was trying to explain to everybody at the party. Like okay, Seattle's got to score here, or we're done. And up walks Ladero. I'm like okay, it's fine, no worries. <laughs> Ladero was so just smooth. I mean, he walked up, didn't look troubled at all. Hit a you know picture perfect penalty. Walked back, no worries. It's pretty amazing, and I uh, tweeted it out last night. Uh, our good friend Ricardo Montoya sent it to me. Ladero has won a championship in every country he's been. At every country he's played in, he's won a championship. He didn't win a national championship in Brazil. They Their leagues are very hard to explain if you're not familiar with Brazilian soccer. They have state leagues and state cups and then a national league and a national cup, and it's all over the place. They won a state league when he was uh, in Brazil, but he's won a trophy in every country he's been in now. And I believe Roman Torres has won a championship with every club he's been in now. So that's something to keep in mind. And when you start to look at the guys Atlanta United's bringing in, they're not just bringing in young, talented players who, okay, they could turn into something. They're bringing in a guy like Tito Fischalba, who's won a trophy. They're bringing in a guy, Miguel Almiron, who has won a trophy. These are not just kids who are good. These are kids who have won and know how to win. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And I'm looking actually right now, the Sunday star, um, the newspaper in Toronto is just, the headline is just heartbreak. Like it's, yeah, I feel bad for Toronto. Like that's great. That's awesome for Seattle. Um, because you had a team that really, it's not. I, I don't want to say they're the face of the league, but they're a very a highly identifiable team. Um, as you've talked about, I don't know if we can really express enough how just insane it is that from this summer to now, how we got here from a team that, uh, God, I think they lost 3-0 in Siggy Schmidt's last game, and it was not even like a good 3-0. It was a 
they gave up 3-0 to this, how we got here from a team that looked like it gave up on their coach. Uh, bring in Ladero, uh, bring in a club lifer to manage them, and then they manage – and then they, there's a couple games in that last stretch run for Seattle where they, they, they kind of gave away points. And I think I remember we had a show and you got really upset because they gave away points and it looked like, okay, well, there goes their chance. And the West just kind of let them hang around. And meaning Portland and Vancouver, they just kind of let them hang around by not putting away the, that last spot into the playoffs. And Seattle hung around. Seattle got in. Seattle got hot. Um, I don't know of a good way to really explain how we got here to from a team that was a smoldering crater by my own words to a team that just won the MLS cup. It's very weird. Um, it's, it's funny to look back at that game in Kansas city, which is That's one of, time. one of the, I, I I'd have to say, I mean, without going back and, and trying to watch bad soccer because nobody wants to do that. It's the worst performance by an MLS team I've ever seen. And they went, Last night, no shots on goal. They won a trophy. That game, one shot, period. No shots on goal. I think that shot came in like the 88th, 89th minute. And they looked like they laid down. And Siggy Schmidt was let go. I said at the time, and I'll agree with it, I think it was the right move. I think it should have happened sooner. I think he had kind of lost his way with that group. And it's a shame he didn't get to have Nicholas Ladero to work with because I think – he would have been in a different situation this year, but Brian Schmetzer and what he brought to the table and especially the way he managed this group of players, he did an amazing job. It's not easy to come in midstream, even as being there from the beginning as the assistant, taking the reins mid season when it's a train wreck, that's tough. And he got it done and got them where they needed to be. They got a little more defensive at times, especially after uh, Dempsey had to go, yeah, that's they the thing. Thank you. They didn't have Dempsey. They did this whole damn thing without Dempsey. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing job. And and Brian Schmetzer, it's impossible for him to get enough credit because he just absolutely made all the right moves, pushed all the right buttons, and got it done. There was a time when um, people were talking about when they got into the playoffs, like, okay, how far does, does he have to take this team for him to have a secure spot? Because the, uh, there were people talking about if he lost the first, uh, the first uh, play-in game, the first round uh, one-off, that if he lost that, there's no guarantee he gets the job. They might go somewhere else. They might go somewhere else for a more established name. And, I mean, that's your coach now, don't get me wrong, like, that man brought you a trophy. He's your coach. Yep. You sit down well, and take it. But you, like, you saw was... it. They didn't. They wanted to go in a different direction. I think Garth Lagerway definitely wanted to go in a different direction. And Brian Schmetzer said, no, you can't. I'm your guy, and I'm going to show it to you. And he did. And he got him in there. He got the job done. And, you know, we talk about, you know, managers and who does well in MLS and all that. There's not a blueprint. Brian Schmetzer was the right man for that group and dealing with the situation that he had to deal with. He was absolutely perfect. And you could have put Tata Martino there. It might not have worked. You could put Brian Schmetzer here. It might not work. There's never this perfect blueprint of it has to be a manager who does this, this, and this. 
It's not, it's not how this works. You have to have the right manager for the right group of players. It's a chemistry project and Seattle nailed it. Schmetzer managed it perfectly. Um, got a couple more shout outs on Twitter. Uh, thanks to all y'all for listening. This is, this is really cool. Uh, Josh Eisenberg, uh, ATL soccer chat friend ask any idea what or who we might be getting from NYCFC for Johnson. And I, honestly, I have no idea. Um, we're a little, we're a step ahead because the, the Johnson move actually hasn't happened yet officially, even though pretty much all the reports have been that it was done and just couldn't be announced. I don't know. We haven't heard any players in terms of NYCSC. We haven't even seen a rumor of a player coming this way. It could be an allocation money swap. It could be an international slot, but I wouldn't expect NYCSC to be a club giving up international slots. Honestly, I don't know. And that's kind of the fun of this because it's, it could be something pretty big for a guy like Sean Johnson, who, you know, we've, we've talked about it. He's a top half goalkeeper in this league. I think he's the top seven or eight goalkeeper in MLS with the potential to be even higher on a good team. He's been that level on some awful Chicago fire teams. You put him in front of a, a team that can actually play and not have him under siege. I think he can be a very, very good goalkeeper and potential U S national team candidate. Like, like he has been in the past, he's big time and we would be set very well with Sean Johnson and goal. Brad Guzan is on paper, even better. He's five years older, some more experience. He's probably performed a little bit better at the national team level and on the big stage. Uh, he was very good in MLS as well, which he was USA before he went to England. Either way, we're going to be better off in goal than probably any other expansion team in history. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, let's not forget we have a really solid and wildly improving goalkeeper hanging out in Charleston, who was, if I'm not, he was the first signing. Like, uh, Tambakis is good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so if you're if you're not keeping up with Twitter as you go along here, Tenorio, uh, Paul Tenorio just kind of laid out the what we know. Uh, Lana will be acquiring Michael Parkhurst, Romario Williams, which I just saw confirmed on Twitter. Uh, uh, is that from the, confirmed from the club or confirmed by uh, Lloyd Barker from Montreal? Oh, Lloyd, Lloyd Barker by Montreal. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what came out before. Um, yeah, Lloyd that's... Barker, uh, longtime Montreal Impact uh, person. I believe he is on the coaching staff now. Um, played for the Impact in the old A-League. I remember watching Lloyd Barker at Adams Stadium against the Atlanta Ruckus because I'm old. But uh, he, has, he has said he can confirm that Romario Williams belongs to Atlanta United and has officially left Montreal. Uh, that's a player who was on loan to Charleston last year. So Atlanta would have had plenty of chances to see him very fast, good speed, um, uh, scored goals with Charleston. I think the biggest thing for Williams at this point in his career is to take it to the next level with his off the ball work, his decision-making, his tactical work, and he's coming to a good manager to help him grow as a player. So he brings more speed to the table, which, you know, we don't have enough of yet. No, of course not. Um, but, yeah, to kind of sum it up, looking at Parkhurst, Romario Williams, Harrison Heath, those are the things we know about. And then, of course, the receive 
and trade the sign and trade, so to speak, of Sean Johnson. We don't know if that's going to play a role in one of these moves going forward or if that's something else. Maybe they're trading Johnson for international slots. Um, they can go in a lot of different directions. Uh, oh, yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out as well. Um, this popped up on actually my Facebook feed this morning that uh, a friend of a friend was down at one of the bars last night and talked about uh, a certain supporters group by the name of Footy Mob. You may have heard of them if you're in Atlanta, uh, showing up. Uh, to be at one of the games, just they had nice, they had really good things to say about them. It was, uh, they said they were really excited. The fun group decked out in Atlanta gear came to watch the final last night, and uh, they were impressed by how excited people were for the sport and for the team coming into Atlanta. So there's a there's if if you're not involved, there's a number of really good uh, groups. You know, you've got Terminus Legion, who's been the standby for a long time. You've got Resurgence. You've got Footy Mob. There are options, and there will be plenty of people with who would to watch the game if you're not going to games this year or when they're out of town. Um, the game didn't even involve in Atlanta, and they're getting a shout-out. And um, so thanks again to uh, Facebook sleuths and friends of mine. But it's, uh, it's good to see the clubs get um, – it's, it's good to see the clubs, fan clubs, get positive press like that, even if it's just between friends. Yeah, the word gets out, and and all those groups that you mentioned, Terminus Legion, Resurgence, Footy Mob, do a great job of promoting. You know, Atlanta United is promoting you know soccer in the city, and then they're all, you know, they all have their different you know feel. And so anybody who wants to be a fan of Atlanta United and kind of take it to the next level of being part of a supporters group, you have an option for you. You'll have, you'll find a group that you fit in with. The Atlanta United you know, group of fans overall and just the Atlanta soccer community. It's been really cool as somebody who's been a part of it God, for, for way too long now <laughs> um, to see it kind of grow up here in these last, uh, probably last year. It's been very cool to see. And it's a very, I think, different soccer community than you see in some other cities. So uh, very inclusive, very welcoming, and it's, it's exciting. Um, to see these next steps happen. A couple more shout outs on Twitter. Uh, Andy Hollins listening in, uh, talked about Roman Torres and wishing he was part of Atlanta United. I do too. Guy is a beast. He can play and he's big and strong. Uh, he's, he's one of the best center backs in this hemisphere. So Roman Torres would be a great fit for any team. Uh, ben, Ben underscore Lisa. Um, he is trying to decide between listening to us and Christmas party prep. Uh, the party guests are probably going to starve. Order pizza, Papa John's, not bad. It'll work. <laughs> um, uh, Joseph Alford, longtime listener, thanks for for sharing the the Lloyd Barker tweet. Uh, Jorge Ezeta, um, he's watching EPL while he's listening to us. Our good friend Parker from the ATL Soccer Chats, uh, he's hoping for an interna- international slot from NYCFC. Uh, like we talked about, we're going to need those. And Joseph May uh, is also listening. Thanks to all of you guys who are listening and sharing the post and, and spreading the word about what we do. We really, really appreciate it. We couldn't be doing this stuff without you guys. Yeah, you guys, um, you guys do keep us going. And it's awesome to see stuff rolled in every day. And it's awesome to get little bits of advice and encouragement. It's, it's one of those things that uh, I don't know how to explain how much we appreciate it, that it's, it's a really cool feeling and it's, really cool to kind of keep getting that kick in the tail sometimes. So uh, thank you very much. And thanks for 
you know, like I said, thanks for representing Atlanta well last night um, and all the time, not even just last night, you know, really am grateful that as much stuff and use as you see in the news domestically and abroad about supporters groups, like we're really lucky to have some really, really fun supporters groups who really do represent the city of Atlanta. Well, and hopefully that keeps up going next year. Have all the faith in the world, you guys um, and girls. Um, thanks for representing the city. Well, and thanks for representing the club. Well, and keep it up. Definitely. Charlie Phillips joining in. He is recovering from Terminus Legion's party last night and listening in. Uh, hashtag everything hurts. Sorry about that, Charlie. Um, hopefully that coffee kicks in here soon. I, didn't okay, have that so, I just sat down with a bot with a glass of water and a banana and fed the cats. <laughs> I'm good. I am uh, sponsored by Coca-Cola this morning. So there you go. Um, Paul Tenorio has tweeted, what we know, ATL will be acquiring Michael Parkhurst, Romario Williams, and Harrison Heath. They will also receive and trade Sean Johnson. Um, None of this has happened officially yet, but that is what Paul Tenorio has out there. These are the moves that we've expected. Uh, Another one that we have expected, and the the club actually, I think, semi-officially confirmed, is Kevin Kratz coming over from Philadelphia. So... We're looking at the potential today of adding four slash five players, depending on the Sean Johnson situation, uh, to this roster that is right now at 10 uh, and filling some holes, especially at center back with a guy like Michael Parkhurst. Uh, we've, we've covered it a good bit here on the show and at Dirty South Soccer. Parkhurst is a player who veteran, leader, and a very good fit for what Tata Martino wants out of a center back because of his technical ability. You see some center backs in this league who are not strong soccer players. Parkhurst is a player who could play in a, in a defensive midfield type of role because of his passing ability. You see passing being something that is prioritized by most of these signings. It's passing in speed. If you're, if you're coming up with two common threads of Atlanta United's roster right now, it's passing and speed. Parkhurst can pass. Kratz can pass. Harrison Heath, that's what he is known for in Orlando. He's been talked up so much by his teammates and the, the job he's done in training. This is a 20-year-old guy who was the coach's son. Kind of a, a tough spot for him to be in. He's shown pretty well when he's played. He was, I believe, uh, the mainland, our SB Nation blog, named him the man of the match when he started this summer, the first game after his father was fired, Harrison Heath was the man of the match. He got injured, derailed his, his season a little bit, but passing is something he does well out of the defensive midfield role. And then you have Romario Williams, who is just a speed merchant. So people who can play and, and connect passes and people who can run all day, that's what this squad is building so far. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exciting. I mean, that's what we want to see. Um, let's see what else we got this morning. Um, yeah, Parkhurst being able to play out of the back. And like you said, it is what you want to see. Uh, Parkhurst, does he have his green card? Does, or is he counting? I can't remember Parkhurst if he has his green card. No, Parkhurst is, is an American. He's a U.S. international. Okay, okay yeah. Um, I know. Uh, so he, Heath is who I'm picking up. I'm sorry. Heath's got Heath his green card, does. I believe. Yes, he so does. That, that's Heath one less international slot that you get dinged for. Right. Which is nice. Out of these... Out of these moves, um, 
Parkhurst and Heath would not count as internationals. Kratz would and Romario Williams. That is a very good question. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to get into that, that one because I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, these guys can pass, and that's what Tata's going to want. This isn't a. This is not a. Uh, a stereotypical situation, not to say that the league is even stereotypical anymore, where you're just going to bomb balls out of the back going forward and just hope for the best. Like, this isn't like, you know, we're just going to YOLO the ball down the field. Guy's going to... Mario Williams. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you're going to have to pass out of the back. Uh, Romario Williams is, I mean, he's a Jamaican international, but it does not appear he has a green card, so he would count as an international slot. Uh, 22 years old, another young player. He was the number three pick in the MLS Super Draft in 2015. Yeah, and just another fast athletic striker to add to the pile that we have put off to the side now at this point. Um, this is kind of our, like, uh, until we get a defense in line, I just keep looking at the team thinking, you're just the Falcons right now. God, you're going to be beautiful to watch on attack, but if you don't get a defense, God, I'm not going to want to watch your, the, the backside play. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's tricky. Uh, do keep in mind there are two players from Newell's Old Boys uh, who are rumored to be coming to Atlanta United. Uh, reports out of Argentina have the Newell's board approving their loan to Atlanta United. Uh, left back Milton Valenzuela and center back Maximiliano Palacci, who are two guys who could step in and start. At a minimum, I think they're two guys who could rotate in and play a good bit. Uh, right back is wide open at this point and the left wing, unless you're expecting Andrew Carlton to start day one is, is pretty open, but do keep in mind out of the forwards we have, uh, Kenwin Jones and Brandon Vasquez are very similar as number nines who probably would be, it'd be one or the other, but rarely both. Jeffrey, Atu and Romario Williams are very different. They're speedy, second forwards or wide players. So it's, it's kind of like we have two different types of forwards and we have a backup for each. Uh, but O2 and Williams could slot out to the left or the right, depending on the setup. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's the last thought I'm looking at is right back. Mostly just because you've got McCann, who I think we've talked about whether or not you sit McCann in front of the back four or do you, there will be times where you have the option to play him out left on the back. Um, I'm not sure what they do. I, I kind of hope they'd sit him in front of the back four. I'd be fine with that. Really fine with either one if you can make it work either way. But that right back is going to be the situation where I'm really curious to see what they do and where they put people. But, yeah, just get the back line in line, in, in shape. As you said, you've got guys tied to new old, Newell's old boys, which at this point is like saying the sun's going to shine today. Um Atlanta's been tied with a number of players coming out of the entire country of Argentina. So, <laughs> um, at this point, like it's at this point within five years, half the half the Argentine national team could be Atlanta United players. Who knows? And keep in mind, uh, Tasso Martino, and he's been doing a lot of media in Paraguay and Argentina here recently. He told a radio station that Atlanta United is signing the best player playing in Argentina right now in Miguel Almiron. He didn't say a good player. He said the best player playing in Argentina right now, Atlanta United's bringing him. That's how highly they think of Almiron and what he could do for Atlanta United. A uh, couple more 
Twitter uh, tweets from from friends of the show. Uh, let's get this question. Ben uh, Ben underscore Lisa on Twitter asked, "Couldn't NYCFC have just traded with Chicago directly?" And that's that's what I thought straight away too. Um, according to uh, it's, it's been a lot of Ivis Galarsep, who's a, a great follow. If you're not following him on Twitter, start now. It sounds like the Atlanta-Chicago deal had already been agreed to. So this situation happens where trades can't go down officially until this trade window, and teams have already made some deals. And I guess it's more than a handshake deal. I guess it's a binding agreement of some sort because – the Brad Guzan thing has happened, I think, more recently. So this is, this is speculation, so don't take this for the gospel or anything, but it seems like Atlanta made the move for Sean Johnson because he was available, and now Brad Guzan has become available, and they're interested in going in that direction. So they, the Johnson thing is already in progress, so they have to get him and then move him on. Uh, Chicago is just weird in the whole thing. I and a lot of Chicago fans are not happy about losing Sean Johnson. Uh, some have felt like, well, for Johnson's career, he needs to move on because he's kind of plateaued, and that could be the case. But he is, you know, he's been the most senior member of that team in the last couple of years. He's been a big part of that club for years and on some bad teams. So Chicago fans are just. <laughs> a mess of emotions right now about what's going on with their club. It sounds like in, in, in its question specifically that the Atlanta Chicago deal was already done, even though it couldn't be announced. So now if Atlanta wants to go get Brad Guzan instead using the MLS allocation order, they're going to have to move Johnson on because you're not going to bring Sean Johnson on as a backup here. It's not going to happen. So they're going to have to move him on and teams swap stuff in MLS around this time of year. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So uh, could be more, more swaps than we know about. Uh, Footy mob is cooking up some bacon and he's looking for mimosas. So if you want to send our, our friends at Footy mob some mimosas for his soccer brunch with us, uh, please do. Um, Parker was hanging out with Footy mob at Midway pub last night. So shout yeah, out to that guy. That was the pub. I couldn't find the name of the pub as I was talking about. I was like, where the hell were they? Oh, yeah, it was Midway. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Midway apparently will be a fun place to go watch things with them. Um, yeah. Um, Andy Hollams uh, asked us, was the Williams trade on all summer? Montreal has a USL team, but he was sent to our affiliate. That's a really good point, and it's something that we speculated about pretty much all season following Charleston was, is there more to this than we know? And you know, if this move happens, it really sounds like there was. Uh, Williams, kind of a, a weird situation in Montreal. You know, he was the number three pick in the 2015 Super Draft. And Montreal took him maybe a little higher than he was expected. I think most of the mock drafts ahead of 2015 had him um, four or five. I think one had him as low as ten. Uh they missed out on some players that have gone on to do well in MLS. Um, because of that, they missed out on uh, Matt Polster from Chicago. They missed out on Tim Parker for Vancouver and they went with Williams. He didn't really 
fit at all in 2015. And then they sent him to Charleston at the beginning of 2016, which opened up a lot of questions. And a lot of people started wondering, like Andy, was this move on from the beginning of the season? Maybe it was, or maybe it was a situation where it was, all right, we're going to send him to your affiliate so you can take a better look at him. And then we'll talk about it later. Maybe it was something like that. Maybe it was, since you couldn't send him on trial to Atlanta, maybe that was the way they did it. Yeah, that's um, that's a, that's definitely an option. Um, it's one of those things that, that this entire offseason has been so weird going up into Atlanta United's first season, where I've I'm hesitant to speculate on anything that's happening. Of oh, that's been in place for a while, or that's new. Like I don't know. I mean, the way the league works and the way deals work, it could be either one. So. Yeah, I'll speculate. I'll try to make stuff up as we go. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's, that's, that's what I have you for. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to guess. Um, yeah, Joseph asked if we were going to the tournament in Charleston for preseason. I'm I'm working on it. I'd like to go for at least one of the games and probably one of the Saturday games. I don't know if it'd be the first one or the last one, but I'm shooting for it. I'd like to get over to Charleston. It's been too long since I've been over there. Bring me some food. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll bring some shrimp and grits. I could really wow. go for some shrimp and grits right about now. Yes, sir. Um, I'm good with that. Couple more, couple more questions. Parker, uh, Parker King asks: Does the 2017 count the higher allocation money that was talked about in the state of the league? Yes. Uh, as I was talking about targeted allocation money, Atlanta United has some that was already given to teams that they can use. And that would be the original allocation of it that started in 2015 and I don't know if they're going to give Atlanta the 2015 amount, which is a hundred thousand dollars, the 2016 amount, 2017, 2018, 2019, that's $400,000 of targeted allocation money. They should have at their disposal. The $800,000 of targeted allocation money that was given to them in 2016, they have to use that by this summer, the summer window in 2017. Now the $1.2 million in targeted allocation money that is being given to the clubs and has to be used by the summer of 2018 window. So there's some different expiration dates, but sitting right now, there's a lot of targeted allocation money for Atlanta United to work with. Yeah, that's, and that's what we've talked about before is how much money they have to run with. And that can be traded. It can be used to buy people down. You know, you, uh, we've speculated before that Kenwin Jones is not a designated player, and that, but he's going to be signing a, that kind of contract and that he's going to be talking. They're going to be buying it down. I talked down, sorry. That they're going to buy down that contract. That could happen with Guzan if that's a thing that's about to happen as well. Um, they can use it to buy down. They can use it. They can trade it. It is a precious commodity in the sense and um, yeah, there's a lot they can do there because they have such a flexibility. Here you go from Paul Tenorio talking about a, a Ben's question about the Johnson-Guzan situation. And Paul was answering uh, Wes Burdine from 55.1 who asked, why does Atlanta have to be the middleman in the Sean Johnson deal? Paul said, wasn't intended that way. Johnson trade went down. Then Guzan happened. Atlanta felt it couldn't pass on Guzan. So kind of what we were saying, it was already done on Sean Johnson coming here. Then Guzan became a possibility, and Atlanta has the number one spot in the allocation order, which means they can get Guzan if they want him. So 
it seems like that's the decision they're making. That's where they want to go. So they have to now move Johnson because you're not going to keep him here as a backup. No, God, no. Um, well, first off, that's going to that'd be a lot of money to pay for a guy to be your backup keeper. Um, yes. And that's just – there's better ways to allocate those resources. I mean, and it's no slight on, it's no slight on Johnson. Like, it's nothing against him personally. Like, it's just, it's just better ways to allocate your resources. Uh, you've got other things you need. And if you can flip him for a player or for money, that's what you do. So exactly. I'm, I'm and, that. and that's going to be the question is what is coming Atlanta's way from NYCFC. I mean, if you, if you can pull this off where you get Sean Johnson in a trade for some form of allocation money, and I don't think that's been said either way, if it's general or targeted, and then move him over to NYCFC for, say, targeted allocation money to help pay for Brad Guzan, then that's not necessarily a bad move. No, that's that's a that's 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 seeing a situation appeal in Sean Johnson, seeing another situation that you find more appealing, which is fine, nothing wrong with that, and then kind of calling an audible, so to speak. Exactly. A um, couple more comments on the Twitter. Joseph uh, asks about Raymond Gaddis from Philadelphia as right back. He's a player that when Rob and I were going through the expansion draft wish list, Gaddis is a player that we think could be available in the expansion draft. And he would be one of those strong candidates to be picked. Uh, good athletic right back. Um, he's gotten a good bit of time with Philadelphia, but I think a different situation could do him well. And I, I think Philadelphia is going to have to leave him unprotected. So he, he could be a player to watch for Tuesday. Don't forget tomorrow night, we're going to do a dirty South soccer, ATL soccer chat on Facebook live. And we're going to go through the expansion draft lists and break it down in terms of who's available, who Atlanta United should and could consider and get ready for Tuesday's expansion draft. That'll be tomorrow night, eight o'clock on the dirty South soccer Facebook page. Yeah, that's, that's one to jump on. Um, those Facebook chats, by the way, if you aren't already getting on them, they're a lot of fun, and they've kind of taken off in the sense that it used to be an hour-long thing, um, but everyone getting involved has basically locked down Jason's nights and he can't do anything else, so that's kind of fun to terrorize Jason. If that's, if that's your game, that's a fun game to play, by the way. Um, Thanks, guys. Thanks. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you, you, you kind of take away Jason's night, and I promise he enjoys it. Um, it's but true. everybody being everybody being really interactive is awesome with that. That everyone keeps kind of showing up and like, hey, how about this? What about this? And it gets you. It's just supposed to go eight to nine, and now we're getting to the point. It's like nine thirty, and you're still talking. I kind of look at the clock. <laughs> like, does he does he realize what time it is? Yeah, I can ramble on sometimes, and then like last time we were getting so many great questions. It was it was a lot of fun. So we'll be doing that tomorrow night specifically about the expansion draft coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Kyle Kessler, another longtime listener and ATL soccer chat participant, uh, was expecting official announcements by now, kind of disappointed about that, but he does have a, a good piece of information here. We will finally be added to the MLS app now. Now that it's 2017 yes. season, oh my we're going to be in the MLS app. It's time. Took him long enough. You know? I'm not bitter. Um, I'm not bitter. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, it has been a little bit slower than we expected, and and we'll see where this goes. I mean, there's still another two hours to go. Um, I wonder if these are going to get spaced out, if they're going to just do a drop of all of these announcements at once. I'm a little oh, surprised. Oh, yeah, like 11, 11.58. By the way, here's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that would be hilarious because, you know, we'd be going off at 12, so, you know, it's all good. Thanks, thanks, thanks guys. again, guys. We'll see you next week. Oh, my God. So <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised there haven't been any other moves talked about yet, and that's that's something I expected to happen is a player like Zach McMath that we've talked about a good bit now the the market for him has changed a little bit with Atlanta picking up a goalkeeper in advance of the expansion draft. I wonder if he'll be left unprotected. I wonder if another team is looking for a starting goalkeeper will come in for him because I don't see any way he sits on the bench in Colorado behind Tim Howard again. There's always the opportunity. There's always the option. Uh, there's always the option he could end up in. Uh... Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is honestly the other team I'm looking for to make moves today. You know, they've been so quiet. That's not to say that they don't have a team in place, but they've been so quiet and they keep waiting. Like eventually that shoe's got to drop for Montreal and just hasn't done it yet. So I'm wondering if that was something we're going to see today, if they're going to make a, a slew of moves as well. Maybe not groundbreaking moves that may come in the offseason for them. But I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. They've, they've got to start doing something. And, you know, they, they do have a squad to, to build from with their NASL squad, but it's not MLS quality. And it, it wasn't even NASL championship quality right now. It, it's been surprising that Minnesota has been, you know, I don't know if it's by design or if it really is that they're just catching up and they've, they've, come off as maybe a little unprepared for this. And, you know, the word out there from some of the national writers is that people think Minnesota is going to be one of the worst expansion teams of all time. And I mean, right now they, they don't have any players, so we can't even really say, but it doesn't look good for them going into next year. It's just such a different feel because Atlanta, there's a lot of promise and people are trying not to get too excited. But when you see, the best player who's playing in Argentina right now, according to our manager, signed with Atlanta United. When you see Kenwin Jones, captain of Trinidad and Tobago, Tito Vishalba, when you hear about these moves with bringing in, you know, the number one slash one A goalkeeper for the U.S. national team, bringing in a guy like Michael Parkhurst to captain Columbus MLS Cup, these are big moves. And Minnesota so far has signed two defenders from their NASL team that honestly I think one of them isn't going to be a starter in MLS. I just don't see it. So it's, it's just two different worlds and it's a question as to what is going to happen in Minnesota. You know, are they just going to try to get the best players they can from within the league and just wait it out and, and do the typical expansion thing where it's like, Oh, well, we're not going to be very good for a couple of years. Or are they going to, pick it up and, and try something different here because I don't know. Nobody's really talking. Yeah. Footy mob just picked up on it right there. Actually. Uh, we just got a tweet out of footy mob. Uh, do you think Atlanta fans know how lucky they are considering how little news is coming out of Minnesota United? And I think people do at this point. I hope they do. Um, 
it's not that should like it's it's been a really good situation for Atlanta. Yeah, it's been really it's, exciting. It's been really exciting, and even just comparing it to Atlanta sports in general, you know, this has been such an exciting launch of a team, and so many big high profile things that have happened. I mean, you compare it to the last team that Atlanta has launched, the Thrashers. The Thrashers basically acted like Minnesota is, where it's, oh, well, we're expansion. We're just going to pick up some guys, and, yeah, it'll take us some time, but we'll be good eventually. And Atlanta United is not wasting any time. Uh, Soccer lends itself to that. You can go get players from overseas, and you can go make moves immediately, but they've been very aggressive, and, you know, Footy Mob has a great point here. Atlanta United fans are very lucky that, Arthur Blank and Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra have been so on it in terms of building this team to be good as soon as possible. And it's, it's going to be a stark contrast to what Minnesota is doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't remind me of the Thrashers. I actually lost a bet on the Thrashers because I was overseas on a study abroad the year the Thrashers got sold. And I bet a friend of mine that they would be gone by the time I got back. Um, they were still here temporarily, like they, they left eventually. Um, but like that's it's not a fun time in Atlanta sports history with the Thrashers. They were good one year. Um, I remember very vividly them being good for one year, and then they got swept out of the playoffs, and that was pretty much it. So we're due for a good franchise in this city, and hopefully this is where we're going with this. Is a really solid franchise, not just an explosive franchise, which is what Atlanta looks like right now. Atlanta looks explosive, a lot of talent, a lot of star power, and not in the traditional sense of, you know, the veteran player, but guys who can become stars. Um, There's a lot of power there. And the fact that they've built this academy so well is kind of the idea going forward that it's going to be good, but it's going to be stable. And I think that's something that, it gets credit. I don't know if it gets enough credit how stable all of this looks going forward. Yeah, they're building a team that can compete now, but they're also putting the places in to build a club that can sustain itself over time. And you don't see many clubs around the world, let alone in MLS, execute both effectively. And Atlanta thus far is setting themselves up to, to do it. Uh, getting some let's let's say uh, anonymous sources that the Columbus deal is coming down pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, no surprise. I mean, we've, we've been expecting it, but, but it's that is, to happen. yes, that is supposed to be coming pretty shortly. So be on the lookout there. I had a question on Twitter from Todd Anderson. Thanks for listening Todd. Uh, Given the strong South American contingent we seem to be building, what are your thoughts about team chemistry? Uh, it can be critical for a team's success. Concerns about bridging the gap. It's a good point. Um, it's definitely something to consider, and I, I don't know if it necessarily matters. I think especially in the soccer world, it's such an international world anyway that, you know, I think the, the guys who speak Spanish, the guys who speak English – it's all about the chemistry on the field for them. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a situation where, you know, they all go hang out after the game. It doesn't have to be like the Hawks. And you look at a team that has great chemistry, the Atlanta Hawks, where they're having UNO tournaments on the road. It doesn't have to be like that. It's a bonus if you do. 
the chemistry on the field, the way they play and interact on the field has to be good. And I think that's why passers have been prioritized in this group, like a Parkhurst, like a Harrison Heath, who is rumored to be coming today, uh, like Almiron and Vishalba, who are players who can pass and connect. You need that, especially when you're building a new team. So it might take a little bit and, you know, don't get bent out of shape if, say, the first month of results, it doesn't look like it's clicking yet. It's going to well, take... Mean the hot takes won't just be Oh, it'll happen. Absolutely will happen. But like Eric Winalda said, and if you haven't had a chance to read that piece on 30southsoccer.com that I interviewed Eric last week, uh, or on Friday, actually, talked about MLS Cup, but then we talked about Atlanta United and his time here in Atlanta. He said where it's going to come down for, for Tata Martino and United, it's going to be around midseason where they've had a chance to get used to this thing that is MLS and we'll see what they're made of then. The first half of the season is going to be building the chemistry that, that Todd is talking about and building the style of play. And that's why Martino is prioritizing players who know what he wants to do. A guy like Almiron, a guy like Vishalva, the kids from Newell's, they know his idea of how he wants his team to play. And it's going to be getting enough guys who understand it and buy in to make it happen as quickly as possible. Uh, we've been getting a lot of port out. <laughs> Footy mob port went out for the blue land. And apparently we, I, I, I awoke in the sadness that was the thrashers. And I'm really sorry, guys. It broke my heart too. Um, <laughs> man, that team could have been great. Like uh, really could have been amazing. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry guys. I didn't mean to, to go down a, a sad blue land road, but uh, and the other thing about that, too, is the difference in ownership. You know, we're talking about probably one of the worst sports ownership groups of all time. I mean, it's it's high on the list. It's very high uh, on the list. Thrashers. Definitely the worst in Atlanta. We're biased, and it's the worst. <laughs> Definitely the worst here. I mean, people have talked about Rankin-Smith and, and that with the Falcons. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> So we're talking about the worst compared to the best ownership of a sports franchise in Atlanta history in Arthur Blank and what he's done with the Falcons, what he's doing with Atlanta United. That says a lot. I mean, the Thrashers level of investment in the city and in the sport in the city compared to what Atlanta United is doing, you can't even compare. So that's why Atlanta United is setting themselves up for this, what we expect to be a let's say better than expected expansion season year one. Um, if they're challenging for a playoff spot, I'm happy. Yeah, that's about where I am right now. Um, there's people are going to have different expectations. Like let's just, let's, let's, let's make everything work out. Okay. I mean, it's at this point, just baby steps as a franchise. Like you want to win year one. Like it is, it would be a dream situation to, get in the playoffs, make some noise. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, but baby steps, you want to establish the franchise, as, so to speak. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and really, I mean, maybe there is kind of a rivalry there with Minnesota, but it's like, even if you say Minnesota might be a bad expansion team coming out, to, be, to do better than them, there's still going to be something to be said about that and some excitement to have about that. 
Definitely. I mean, um, even even if we end up better than say Orlando or New York City FC, like there's there's going to be trash talking involved. So it comes down to the last expansion team to make the playoffs was Seattle, and they've made the playoffs every year. Is that something Atlanta United can accomplish in a bigger league with more competition? It's going to be tough, but I think that's the bar that they've set. I'm not going to be upset if they miss the playoffs year one. I'm expecting them to be competitive year one and be a playoff team for sure in year two. That's kind of where I think they've, they've set the expectation. And that's kind of where I'm at as well is like, if they don't, if they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to lose sleep. If they just go out there and lay an egg, I'm going to be upset. I'm not going to like throw things, not going to riot, but I'm just going to be sad. (laughs) Please don't riot. Let's not have any riots. Oh no, I, I'm too I'm too lazy to riot. You don't understand. Um, so if they go the route to the Hawks, though, um, who is most likely from Atlanta United to open up their own restaurant, like Dennis Schroeder? Oh, good question. Out of what we have so far, I'm going to go Kenwin Jones. Oh, that's yeah, that's where I was going to go. So that's fine. I, I could totally go for a uh, what a bacon shark shack. I oh could my god! Totally go for that. Um, Kenwin, let's, let's make this happen. Why don't we get Kenwin and Ludacris together on a restaurant uh, downtown Atlanta? That can be the post-game hangout. I'm I'm all in. Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah, like Schroeder right after games would like tweet out, hey, we're going to be at the DS17 Lounge tonight. Everybody's invited. Like, oh, yeah, let's, just, <laughs> let's just do that from now on. That was, that's a throwback to the old Dominique days. See, I think he had a lounge downtown as well uh, at a club or something. It was – I mean, this was back in uh, – the Hawks when they were running the city in the late eighties. So we'll see if uh, Atlanta United can have that type of impact on the city. That'd be pretty exciting. Yeah, it would be, um, man. Okay. Let's see what we got. So it's waiting on the Columbus news. Uh, it's really weird. It's been kind of quiet around the league this morning. Um, like I said, maybe uh, the they'll dump everything in, at 1150. I don't know. Yeah. The game went into extra time last night. So, you know, people probably slept in, uh, there deals, Carlos Bocanegra, you know, the post-game events. There's, it's a party scene in Toronto uh, last night. So, yeah, maybe they're getting a late start to the day, signing off on the paperwork. Uh, we'll be we'll be expecting it here shortly. Um, looks like Columbus is going to happen in the near future. We'll see about the rest. We let's Let's catch up on what we expect this morning. And Michael Parkhurst from Columbus should be happening soon. Kevin Kratz from Philadelphia should be happening at some point today. Harrison Heath from Orlando. Paul Tenorio uh, reported on that yesterday that that is supposed to happen in this trade window. And uh, reports out of Montreal staff have said that Romario Williams is headed this way uh, as well. He was in Charleston last year playing alongside Alex Tambakis and Jeffrey Atu and Andrew Carlton. So he would be a player that is known to some of some of this roster already. I would take Will Johnson as well if he's available, just because he has apparently become the Eric Hinsky of the MLS. I think he's maybe just he he shows up, you go to the MLS Cup. That's it's step one and two. That yeah, exactly. I would take him for what he brings to the table on the field. That guy is an absolute gamer and you need some players like that in a first year team to lead the way. And he is not afraid to be vocal. He's clutch. You saw his penalty last night. Um, 
I think he actually should have started last night. I think he was a better complement to to Bradley, and I think could have you know maybe changed the way the game played out to a degree. Uh, Will Johnson is expected to be a free agent, and he would be, I think, first on my list of of guys I'd like to bring in. You could pair him with Chris McCann in the midfield to, to play behind a Miguel Almiron. Um, like we've talked about, yeah, it could open up McCann playing in some different roles. McCann could be the guy who plays more as a box-to-box guy and lets Will Johnson sit. Johnson can get forward. Johnson has a good shot from distance. There's a lot of things that can happen with a Will Johnson in your midfield. I'd like to see him under consideration here, and I think he'll he'll get a good deal somewhere in the league for sure. Yeah, so that's um, that's always fun. Let's see. Oh, man. Uh, let's see, oh, nothing, nothing down the line yet. Like I said, I'm, I'm just as surprised that we haven't had really any moves outside of Atlanta. That you know, Minnesota. Maybe, maybe you're right. Everybody's just waking up. Uh, long, cold night. Um, I feel like that doesn't get enough press about last night. Is it? Last night was really that was some unpleasant weather to play in. Oh yeah, I mean, cold, windy. Uh, the one that, that jumped out to me, I mean, early in the game when Giovinco rips a volley off the side of Roman Torres's head, I thought Torres was done. I thought he was going to be – I thought he was going to come off the field. I thought he was dead. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, it was it, – it, you just can't imagine how painful it is to get hit by a Sebastian Giovinco volley, period – let alone when the ball feels like a cannonball being hit and bouncing off the side of your head. Um, props to Torres for, for getting back onto his feet after that. Speaking of which, we need to, at some point in the future, we just need to have a show about concussion protocol. Oh, boy. Um, and in that case, I, I'm, I, I didn't hear too much of an outcry. And, and you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that as well. Uh, as somebody who's, who's went through a bad concussion, I'm very sensitive to it. He didn't, he didn't appear to be knocked out. He didn't appear to be concussed at that point. He just appeared to be in a lot of pain because of how cold it was. Uh, See, Fox, I think he's, Fox threw me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think he's pretty – oh, no worries. I think he's pretty lucky that it caught him – it looked like it caught him more in the jaw and maybe the shoulder kind of helped uh, with – you know, uh, taking some of the blow off, but if he'd caught it in the side of the head, it, it might've been a different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're getting questions as well now. Um, okay. Yeah. The footy mob is helping confirm uh, the <laughs> Dominique's 21 lounge. Oh, God. oh man. I wish I had been uh, old enough to go to Dominique's 21 lounge. Well, that would have been amazing. Oh man. Um, and then uh, we've got a question from Kyle. Uh, non-player question, but with three months plus the season starting, uh, what about TV? What about TV partners? Good question. Um, a while ago, we reported at Dirty South Soccer that uh, Fox Sports Southeast or Fox Sports South was negotiating with Atlanta United. Uh, Fox actually confirmed that Atlanta United did not. Uh, we've heard some kind of just chatter that something could be coming down on that in the near future. Uh, it probably would be 
after this flurry of player activity this week. I'm I'm just guessing because I think there'll be a lot of stuff happening this week that maybe they don't want to distract from. So maybe before the year is out, we might hear who that TV partner is going to be. Fox still makes the most sense to me. I think they just have the most to offer. I'd be surprised if, if they're not the pick, but uh, it's going to depend on how much they value it and how much they can you know, make it work with also having the Braves and the Hawks as well as their, their other properties. Uh, Jason, we have the uh, Parkhurst move has come down. The, uh, Doug Roberson and shortly thereafter, Atlanta United with the official announcement as well. According to Roberson, uh, I had it right here. Here it is, uh, done and approved by the MLS, undisclosed amount of general allocation money heading to the crew. All right. Uh, hold on. Say that one more time. Did undisclosed general allocation money. That is what I had been told as well was general allocation money, not targeted allocation money. So the the plethora of TAM that Atlanta United has to work with is still in effect right now. None of that is gone yet. And you're getting Michael Parkhurst for an undisclosed amount of general allocation money. It was likely not a huge amount because Parkhurst is out of contract. So he was not coming back to Columbus. They were going to have to either, and they, I think obviously decided not to re-sign him to a new deal, but you were going to have to, you were going to lose him in the re-entry draft. Most likely Uh, he would not have qualified for free agency. He would have been a re-entry draft guy. Atlanta United did not want to play the waiting game on the re-entry draft where they picked 21st. So they went and made this move, gave up some general allocation money and bring in your anchor center back to build this back line. Michael Parkhurst is now a member of Atlanta United. And there's your defender. Like you wanted, you wanted an anchor center back, uh, who's a veteran. Well, there's, there you go. Um, this opens up the possibility to, you know, we talked about what you do at center back, and if you brought in, you know, two twenty-six-year-old average guys, you could go that route. Bringing in Parkhurst gives you the ability to go younger and maybe a little less proven as his partner and expect Parkhurst to be a mentor to that player. And that's where this Maximiliano Palacci from Newell's could be a great fit. 21 years old, has been in the mix with Newell's first team, but hasn't gotten much playing time there. Uh, He's a guy that Tata knows. He's a player who could learn from Parkhurst and grow with him. And that becomes a possibility now, as opposed to bringing in, you know, two mid-level center backs and just throwing them together. Now you can kind of go mentor up and coming guy together. Yeah. Um, Parkhurst tweeted out a thing as well, uh, but the thank you to all those people in Columbus. Um, so yeah, it's a thing like he's coming to town. So the, tr- the trade window is open for business, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it took an hour and 19 minutes from when it officially opened to get our first bit of news. Um, better late than never. So go ahead and start with the Avalanche Atlanta. Go ahead and just, just, just do you. That thing that you do that thing that you do. Yeah, so uh, Michael Parker, thank you, Columbus and Crew SC, for making myself and my family feel welcomed and supported here over the last three years. I truly enjoyed my time here and will forever remember our special run to MLS Cup 2015. 
Thank you, fans, for your continued support of me and the team throughout, and thanks to all the teammates I had the pleasure of playing alongside. Many great friendships built and memories made together. Wish you all the best. Classy guy, classy guy who's been a captain of that team and could be in the mix to be a captain here in Atlanta. We're going to have a lot of captains. Like, there's a lot of potential for captains in Atlanta. A lot of leaders, and that's good. That's good with a team that is going to be figuring this out kind of together. And, you know, having a Parkhurst, having a, a Jones, having a McCann alongside, you know, these young professionals on the rise like Almiron and Vishalba and Vasquez and Carlton and Goslin, you know, and, and add Brad Kazan in that mix as well. Another yeah, veteran cool. player. So if, if, and when that happens, uh, lots of, you know, now it starts to open up. Now we can start to say, okay, what's the depth chart looking like? We've got our defender. We've got a center back. Now, where do you build the rest of the back line around him? Do you go with another veteran? Do you go with kids around him and let Parkers lead them? Now what's next? That's a good question. Do you go the Newell's route? Um, this was my, always my thing is I wanted a veteran uh, center back. I wanted somebody who can stabilize the back line. Um, did not want to go the route of a bunch of kids and it's nothing. It's, it's no slight on kids, but I wanted a veteran and we have that. So that's nice. And I feel, I feel happy now. Um, mostly because like, even though it had been announced, trades are weird in sport in general. Trades can be weird things. Um, it's nice when everything goes off without a hitch, but you don't want to count the chickens before they hatch. Exactly. And MLS trades, I think we're, we're learning are a little different here as we're seeing with the Sean Johnson move, you know, that sounds like it's done and it's signed off. So they can't get out of it. Like when the Brad Guzan option came up, at least this is going off of what Paul Tenorio said. They couldn't just go back to Chicago and say, ah, thanks, guys, but we're going to back out of that. So there was something binding that was done to say this is going to happen in the trade window. So the Parker's thing was sounds like it was done on paper and it just needed to be announced. We'll see if there's any others. The ones we're waiting on are the Sean Johnson trade. Uh, maybe they're working out the other half of that with NYCFC right now. Kevin Kratz from Philadelphia, Harrison Heath from Orlando, and Romario Williams from Montreal. We're waiting on the official word on those. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be that should be coming up next down the line. Um, let's see. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm actually uh, going to look at what people are asking. Uh, Jacob Austin's asking over or under five point five players brought in by Atlanta today. Um, <laughs> I like the half player. Know, I I don't know what you consider a half player, and I'm really kind of unsettled by the idea of a half player. Um, I'm assuming we just take the man's legs and leave his upper body on the sideline. Um, <laughs> I'm taking the under today. I am too. I, I think because, and a lot of that's because of the Guzan thing, like that won't happen yet because the biggest question on that, and, and this is stuff that I've heard and haven't really seen repeated yet in terms of the Brad Guzan portion of that there were still some sticking points on the Guzan acquisition for MLS. And I think where it came down to is MLS was reluctant to pay a transfer fee for Brad Guzan. So they want 
him to be dropped free and clear and be released and then signed on a free. And I don't know if that has been agreed upon yet. So there could be that holdup when it comes to Sean Johnson. And if Guzan falls through, then maybe Atlanta holds on to Johnson. All the reporting is that it's done. It's happening. We're moving on. Johnson's going to go to NYCSC. But this is what I was hearing really Friday as the Guzan stuff started to pop up and haven't seen any traction on it. So that could, what I was getting could have been earlier information, but there were still some holdups on Guzan at that point, according to what I heard. And I don't know if progress has been made on that side yet. Uh, We'll see what happens. Um, a lot of stuff coming down. Uh, even Minnesota talking about the the Parkhurst move that it's a good move, and and I I, I don't even and I don't even think it's one of those things you take with Sean and Freud to say ah we got him and you didn't like Parkhurst is the kind of guy I think that fits with just about any team um, to have that kind of proven center back. Um, a lot of outpouring in Columbus. The crew had a nice little thing uh, in his going away. So it's it's a solid move I think all around, and it's it's not as flashy as the attacking moves, but it's incredibly solid. And uh, he's a center back. The best thing that you're going to hear about him is when you don't hear about him during the game for 90 minutes of, oh, yeah, Parker's played today. What happened? Nothing. Good. Good. Exactly. That's what you want out of that role. Um, The comment real quick on uh, Doug Roberson made a uh, kind of funny tweet about – yeah, about the formation, and uh, Juan Arango, journalist, uh, said that it becomes worrying how they're overspending for some players, and he specifically mentions Almiron and saying that he's not worth $13 million. Uh, Doug repeats the $8.5 million, which has been talked about. So in do we the, even know how much he really costs? Do we have an idea? Well, there, there's a couple things. So we don't know how much, and we probably will never know. The South American media has reported it in the 13 million range. The American media has reported it in the 8.5 and Arango saying it's overspending. What I would say is once you make the decision that a guy is going to be a designated player and you're committed to spending that money because it's only it, the cap hit is only what it is. You know, now when you're talking about a player who's, say, a $250,000 player salary-wise and you're going to go pay a transfer fee, then it affects his cap hit as well, unless you use allocation money to buy it down. Whole different thing. Once you commit to the designated player money, it doesn't really matter what you spend if you have it to spend. And Arthur Blank and Atlanta United has committed to spending it. So if they spent an extra – if they spent $13 million to bring Al Miron as opposed to – Arsenal or Inter or Villarreal or Zenit St. Petersburg, who are clubs who were tracking Almiron, who were talking in the $10, $11 million range. If Atlanta had to pay 13 to get him, so what? That's, the, that's how this goes. That's how MLS is right now. They have to outspend. They had to pay Michael Bradley more to come back to play in MLS than he would have made in Europe because that's the stature of MLS right now. That's going to change. But in this case, I mean, Almiron was going to leave Lanús at some point soon and probably in at least a $10 million type of move. If Atlanta got him for 8.5 or 13, so what? It's in the ballpark. Um, To get worried about them overspending, I I don't think Arthur Blank's going to drop the team because of that right now. I think that's a, a silly comment. 
No, I think you're right. It's um, no matter what the cost. If you're trying to change the league, these are the moves that have to happen. If you're trying to change how the league is perceived and how the league operates in terms of its top flight talent, you know whose name you put on the banners outside the stadium, this, that, and the other, <clears throat> this is a move that has to happen. That doesn't just happen where you flip a switch and you go from uh, signing veterans to signing young, explosive, potentially explosive guys. You actually have to actually have to go out there and spend the money to bring someone in. These guys don't just come for free. Like that's, that's, that's a thing. Like it's gotta be somebody, somebody's gotta make that first move. And we've kind of seen it happen with guys like Giovinco coming to town or coming to the league. Excuse me. This isn't Toronto. Thank God. It's a little warmer. Um, we've seen it with Ladero now, and that's, that's probably the direction we're going sooner with LAFC. When they come in, you know, this perception that we've had that LAFC is going to come in and just drop money. Uh, that's something they're going to want to do as well. And I think you're going to see it with them instead of signing, you know, the veteran presences who have names that are worldwide recognized, uh, spend the money, maybe on one or two, maybe one, maybe two of them, but really focus on bringing in young explosive talent that maybe you would sell in a couple of years and maybe they go over to Europe for a lot of money. But uh, instead of being a retirement league, you know, you might become a bridge league, and maybe that's a dirty phrase to some people. But I think the quality of the game improves significantly when you make that move, and then you move from there to being a uh, a more, I don't want to say approved league or respected league, but a more interesting league around the world. People pay attention. Yeah, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And, you know, to bring in a 22-year-old player who is one of the best players playing in the Argentine league, and starting to emerge on the national team level for Paraguay to bring him in and spend the money to bring him in. um, He's going to have resale value. He's going to perform you would expect. And do you have to possibly spend a little more than an arsenal would? Yeah, but that's sports. That's, that's how this works. I mean, you know, a player is going to take maybe a smaller contract to go to, well, let's look at Kevin Durant you know, to go to the Warriors because that's where he wants to be. If Memphis or I'm trying to think of another team to compare it to Toronto or somebody else in the NBA wanted Kevin Durant, you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to pay more. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have to pay more. That's just how it is. And that's sports. So to come to a brand new team that has never kicked the ball, maybe you got to throw a little more cash that way to make it happen, but it's done. Um, I think worrying about Atlanta United overpaying, I guess that's a, a step in the right direction for MLS is now we're worried about overpaying for players, um, young, exciting, attacking players. We're worried about overpaying for them. So there you go. That's not, a, that's not the worst problem I've ever had in my life. No, um, you know, that, there's my rant. Sorry. Um, there you go. No, that's fair. So that's fair. we have a, we have the official comments from uh, the club about Michael Parkhurst. This is from Carlos Bocanegra. Michael's a fantastic addition for us. Give his veteran leadership and MLS experience. He's proven to be, to be an effective captain and is an ideal role model for some of the younger players on our club. Also, he's a very intelligent defender and good on the ball, which fits in nicely with our style of play. So all the things we've been talking about, that's why Parkhurst was valued by the team and didn't want to risk it in the reentry draft. That's why they threw some allocation money to Columbus 
and that's why they're going to sign him to a new deal. We'll see how long that deal is. I would expect two years with an option um, just so you can you know, lock him up and build around him for a little bit. He is, you know, he's a veteran. Um, you could say he maybe has lost a step, but he's 32 and he's a very intelligent center back who should be able to make up for that lost step with his positioning, with his, you know, reading of the game. So I think you're getting one of the better center backs in the league in this move. Yeah, that's and that's the thing is it's it's a st- it's a stabilizing force. That's the way I keep looking at it, and that's what I'm just going to stick with is he's a stabilizing force on the back four, and that's what you need now as far as the rest of the moves we're expecting today. Um, you know, you're you're you'd be solving the problem of goalkeeper if and when that happens. God only knows how that's going to unfold because really I don't have any idea at this point. Um, something could like I said, you don't want to take trades for granted. Something could always fall through. Um, let's see uh, bringing in possibly another attacker because we don't have enough of those uh, <laughs> had a question uh, talking about yeah, the transfer right. fee in Argentina for Almiron uh, going back to my rant uh, John Nelson part of the, the DSS family asked if there's any confusion over the transfer fee being what it is over exchange rates and different currencies and that could very well be the case because in South America it has been pretty consistently reported in the $13 million range and in the U S by, I believe it was Brian Strauss, um, possibly Ivis Glarsep. It's been, or I'm not Grant wall in the $8.5 million range. So maybe it's a currency thing. Maybe it's an exchange rate thing. There's also uh, some possibility that there was an additional fee that had to be paid to his original club, Sarah Porteño, who had retained uh, anywhere between 20 and 30% of his registration. That could not, maybe the South American media is considering that as part of the fee, whereas the American media is not. I'm not sure. Either way, um, whether it's on the high end or the low end, it's not an outrageous transfer fee for this player, considering what was discussed in the interest from Arsenal and Zenit and Villarreal and Inter of bringing him in. That's just, that's where MLS is. So they didn't go out and pay 20 million for a guy that was being talked about for 10. If they went out and paid 13 for a guy that was being talked about at 10, that's not crazy. No, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Like I said, eventually someone's going to, if you want to change the face of the league and change the structure and the perception of the league, someone was going to have to go out and make that move. And Atlanta did. Now, for whatever value it is, now you're kind of moving in that direction. You've already kind of made the moves with uh, with bringing in Vijalba. You know, we went on the Vijalba watch for I don't know how long we did that. Uh, it was a long time. <laughs> uh, we just had some a comment from Will Hesmer, former MLS goalkeeper, former teammate of Michael Parkhurst. Said four MLS Cups in seven MLS seasons. Not an accident. Excellent addition by Atlanta United. So that kind of shows how well thought of a guy like Michael Parkhurst is and how he should be a great a great fit here in Atlanta to build, you know, this young team around a guy who's a steady rock in the back. Yeah, and that's that's what we want. We want someone to build around. And it and that's the thing is he is at thirty two. Uh, I think you nailed it. Uh it's a two year deal with an extension probably. And I'm fine with that. Um, I'd have been fine with three years, I think, with maybe a club option. But 
yeah, the, I'm I'm fine with either one of those because he's a guy who at the, at his age he's going to give you time. He's going to give you good games. He's not going to be here for ten years or anything like that because he's 32. But he can stabilize your back line as at a start, and we've seen what happens. We've gone over this, and everyone has analyzed it to hell and back. That you look at New York, you look at Orlando, you don't have a back line you're going to have a bad time. And Atlanta, as much as they focused on the attack, now they're focusing on bringing guys who are playing in the defensive side of the ball. They went out and made a smart move. Instead of throwing a bunch of kids back there and, hey, maybe we'll just outscore everybody 5-3 to three every game, go out and make smart moves, build a stable defense, and he's got two-plus years here probably to you know, make another mark, make a run with this team. And more importantly, teach. Like if you got if you bring in a lot of young kids, you're bringing in a mentor, and I think that's something that can't be overstated. Exactly. And you're looking at you look at what Orlando did year one with center backs of Aurelian Collins, Seb Hines, who I think Parkhurst is a better option than either one of them. You look at what New York City did in the back in year one, where you're talking about center backs of uh, Jason Hernandez, who has done a steady job for them. I'll give, I'll give Hernandez some credit. Uh, they brought over a kid from Manchester City, Shea Facey. George John was injured. Uh, they were plugging and playing at the other center back role with, with Hernandez. Uh, Chris Wingert played a lot of center back. He's not a center back. Um, this is big. Just like we talked about whoever's in goal, if it's Johnson or Guzan, Atlanta United will likely have the best goalkeeper option of any expansion team in MLS history in modern times. I mean, you could maybe say Casey Keller, but he was also 38 at the time. Um, you know, bringing in a Michael Parker. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe maybe we can get Brad Friedel back. Um, yeah, but uh, Parkhurst is a very very good option at center back to build the squad around and probably better than we've seen with most expansion teams. Um, It's a good first piece. And now we have more to come. I'd be fascinated to see how much they're actually spending in terms of general allocation money going the other way to see what the value was. Cause um, as you put it, I mean, Columbus just wanted to get something for him. If they're not going to resign him, get something for him during this window instead of losing him in free agency, which is something that I thought would kind of kickstart this day into stupidity is the idea that instead of losing guys to the expansion draft or to the re-entry draft, uh, trying to get something for them now. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect it'd be a lot of allocation money, but at least something uh-huh. headed in Columbus's way, general allocation money, not targeted. Uh, Glenn Crooks on Twitter. Glenn Crooks is one of the radio analysts for NYC FC. Uh, he also is on Sirius XM FC. He uh, tweeted out that seems clear Sean Johnson on his way to NYC FC uh, before noon, before the trade window closes. So stay tuned. Maybe he is hearing things on the New York side of it as to what's coming next. I would like to see what's coming the other way. I think that's kind of like I'm, I've made peace with the fact that that's going to happen. What I am curious about is what goes the other way back to Atlanta. Whether that's it's, the biggest uh, question of this trade window right now is 
if that move goes down, that's the one that we don't know what would be headed Atlanta's way. If it's player, if it's allocation money, if it's draft pick, um, international slot, international slot. I think international slot is the thing outside of a player that Atlanta United is in the most need of, but I don't think NYCSC is the club that would be willing to give one up. Um, I'm going to see what I can find on how many interna- international slots they have uh, to work with. But if I'm not mistaken, they don't have that many to play with at this point. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know kind of how that spot works, every team gets eight to start with. And then you can go acquire more, as many as you want to go acquire. And you can acquire a slot for a year. You can acquire it for two years. It, the moves – very. So this was last updated in July. This is on Wikipedia, so it's not 100% accurate. Um, sorry, I just got a refill on my Coke. Uh, thanks, Ashley. <laughs> um, NYCFC had 12 international slots last year, and looking at who was filling them, there will be some that open up. Uh, Frank Lampard was filling an international slot. Uh, Federico Bravo, who I believe is not coming back. Uh, Ariola, who is retiring, was in an international slot. So there could be maybe NYCFC doesn't need 12. I have to look at some of the trades to see how long they have some of these slots. But uh, maybe, I guess guess it's maybe a little more likely than I thought it was with NYCFC giving up an international slot because – They've got two looking at this right now that are open in Lampard and Areola who are definitely not coming back. So maybe they can part with one. Ah, uh, no, they could bring back Lampard. No big deal. Yeah, have fun with that one. I know, right? There might be riots. <laughs> there might be riots. So. Um, Todd, uh, Todd Anderson, who was listening in, asked, uh, all agree, me included, front, offer, front office moves are stellar. Can you find any critiques? Uh, probably, I mean, there hasn't been many, to be honest, because there hasn't been that much to, to critique at this point. Uh, the Juan Arango comment to Doug Roberson about overspending for Almiron, which I, I don't think is the case. Um, the general critiques of, well, a foreign manager is not going to do well in MLS. Um, that's really, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really that's where we're at. Up and down. It is, and we've discussed it in terms of why we think this is a little different than a run-of-the-mill foreign manager coming to MLS. So, as always, we'll see once the once the team gets on the field. We'll see how the adjustment happens. We'll see how that chemistry develops, which was another question we've had this morning. There is a lot to be said for building that chemistry, and. It's one thing when you get a situation like Brian Schmetzer coming into a team that's already established midseason or a new manager like the LA Galaxy you're going to have who is coming in into a preseason. You at least have a base of players who have an understanding of one another. In this case, you do not. So you're bringing you know, Ken Wynn Jones, Tito Fijalba, Miguel Almiron, Chris McCann, Michael Parkhurst, Junior Burgos, Brandon Vasquez, Andrew Carlton, Alex Tambakis, Chris Goslin, Jeffrey Atu, you're bringing these guys together who have with, I don't know if any of that group has played together ever. 
And it takes time to build that chemistry. It takes time to know when Parker has the ball at center back, what run Vishalba needs to make. It takes time for Almiron and Vishalba to be able to play off of one another. It takes time for Jones to get used to the runs they're going to make. These things will take time. It's, it's almost impossible to build a winning soccer team from absolute scratch day one, no matter what your talent level is. So the chemistry piece is going to be the biggest thing for Tata Martino to establish as soon as possible. So their plans for preseason, it's a big question as to how they handle this and what he does to put this team together as soon as possible. Yeah, that's, I think um, one of the ones I'm looking forward to is the first time, you know, I've kind of thought about it that first time we have a, we have we have uh, Almiron play that diagonal ball down towards the touchline towards Bijalba who crosses it into the box. Just that that first time you kind of put it in your head like, oh my god, these guys are going to link up and do things. Um, looking forward to that, and looking yeah, forward sure. to how they do work together. But like you said, you're not wrong at all. It takes time for everything to fall into place. Exactly. Um, Shout out to Matt Lowry, uh, one of Atlanta United's Academy coaches for the follow on Twitter. Thanks for listening in. Um, we appreciate it. You guys are doing some great work over in the Academy. Uh, we're already seeing a few of those guys come up and, and we've both been out to see Academy games so far. And the talent is stupid. It's, it's stupid. And it's all the way through. It's not in one age group. Um, you've got kids in the youngest age group getting called into youth national team camps. You've got, kids at the high end getting called into national team camps says a lot about the work that Atlanta United is doing and the intent for what they're doing. You know, this didn't happen by accident. This was intentional for a long time. They've been putting this together. Uh, Tony Annan has been working on it at Georgia United and getting it ready for Atlanta United. And now the, the group that's in place is taking it to the next level. And you would expect that Tata Martino coming in will help bring it to an another level which i didn't know the academy could get to another level i think it might now so this is another big piece of the puzzle when it comes to atlanta united Uh, a couple more questions uh andy hollams asked if we acquired kikuta mane yet man i wish i would be i would possibly go out and run through the streets if we got kikuta mane another ridiculous speedy player um who you could put on the opposite wing from Vishalba and have Almiron run into the middle and teams are going to have to wear track shoes against Atlanta United because the amount of speed that is already on this squad. And if you go and get more uh, and, and what I'm hearing is uh, Valenzuela, the left back is another fast player out wide who you're just going to have to get ready to run against this team. And you get late in the season, you get into the summer when it's a hundred degrees and you've got these kids just flying up and down the field. That's not a game you want to play. If you're a Montreal, if you're a Chicago, if you're a Columbus, you don't want to chase these guys. Exactly. You don't want to chase these guys all day. So very intentional in the way this team is coming together. It's passing, it's speed. These are the two things that are being prioritized, and it's it's going to be difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> Todd asks, Todd Anderson asks, who will Atlanta beat in MLS Cup next year? <laughs> let's let's slow the roll, Todd. Um, 
let's say that if Atlanta United does make the playoffs next year, that is an amazing accomplishment by this whole club and from the top down. If they can get to the playoffs in year one, that's an amazing deal. So anything beyond that's gravy. I just want a competitive team that is challenging late in the year. I want meaningful games late. If I get that, I think we're we're on the right path. Yeah, and um, it, it, it actually sets us up very, very nicely. We've talked so many times, and people have lamented the whole stadium situation for Atlanta United. We could end up with a situation near the end of the year where uh, Atlanta United's playing games that matter, and they're the first games in that new stadium. That could be a lot of very fun. Very true. Very, very true. Um, <laughs> our good friend Parker King has some ideas on how Tata's going to build the chemistry. He's he's going for a, a team outing at Dave and Buster's, and afterwards a trip to Pete or after wins heading to Pizza Hut. See, I was a fan when I was a kid playing baseball of if we won or played well, got to go to Dairy Queen. So I would probably go for that more than the uh, the Pizza Hut trip. But either way, pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's how I felt as well as a kid, uh, mostly because when I – any time in baseball, if I threw a complete game as a kid, which, you know, pitch counts are nothing. Um, <laughs> if I – if I th- there was a time I threw a complete game as a kid and my coach bought my ice cream. I was like, oh, that's incentive. That's incentive right there. Yeah, I would, I would when I was playing third base when I was eight years old, I would lay out for the, the ground ball down the line if I knew it. we might get to Dairy Queen after the game. Oh, yeah. It's like, well – if you if you had laid out, could have gone to uh, could have gone had good pizza, but you didn't. You, you didn't. So, we're go- what are we doing? We're going to CC's. Why? Because you didn't lay out. If you laid out, we'd be going to Antico's. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I, see, we made a mistake. Uh, my dog is obsessed with pizza crust, and when we started talking about pizza, I can hear her barking in the other room. So. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to take my dog to Pizza Hut after the game to rebuild some chemistry here. That's kind of where I'm at. You can go watch the the Falcons play. That's fine. There you go. There you go. Um, well, see, Parker has a great idea about building the team chemistry, but we're forgetting about the Kenwin Jones and Ludacris uh, Bacon Shark shack that is going to open up somewhere downtown, making Castleberry Hill for post games. So there you go. Kenwin will have everybody over to his restaurant. We'll be good to go. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out uh, to, and I know we kind of talked about this earlier about Seattle, but a quick shout out to Seattle on FoxSports.com. The article talking about the uh, the love that Seattle's been getting for their win, not just from soccer world, but from the rest of the American sports world. The Seahawks watching the game last night. Uh, the Mariners giving love, even Macklemore. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Drew Carey. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, well, Macklemore creates opinions. Um, <laughs> he does create I don't opinions. That's a good way to um, put it. Uh, Drew Carey, uh, I think Ciara as well. Uh, Leslie Sounds, Jones, a yeah. like, lot of lot of love going out towards the Seattle Sounders as kind of trying to see it not just be soccer, but seeing the MLS try and punch its way into American culture away from you know, the- shock, just soccer, but just culture as, in general. That's one Atlanta United's going to have to get on top of is uh, you mentioned Sierra. Sierra is an Atlanta native, and I know Russell Wilson, I know Seattle, but you need to get Sierra some Atlanta United gear. She's got to rep her hometown, so let's let's, let's take care of that uh, 
Atlanta United front office, please. We already got Vic Beasley offered to play center back. Hey, Vic Beasley and Michael Parker is a pretty good combination. Beasley wouldn't last ten minutes. I feel like he'd get a he'd get a he'd be the Vinny Jones of the team. He'd get a straight red. <laughs> this is true. Um, Austin Carp on Twitter, who is uh, manage, assistant managing editor at Sports Business Daily, is reporting that the MLS Cup final drew a 9.9 local rating in Seattle, Tacoma, which is, is very good. Um, we're curious to see what the national rating is. There will be lots of hand-wringing and lots of, oh, soccer's never going to catch on, all that type of nonsense. Um, the next step for MLS when it comes to TV is to go from being a regional product like that, where you get a 9.9 in Seattle, Tacoma, to a national product. And it's not quite there yet. It's, it's heading in the right direction. It does take time to build that. I mean, we see it with baseball now where baseball outside of this World Series, because it did catch on nationally, is kind of heading in that direction where the national numbers aren't great, but the local numbers are. If MLS can get to where the local numbers are better than they are and start to make a dent in the national side, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, the TV numbers are interesting. I'll be interested to see what they look like nationally as well. And it was a big deal last night. You put the MLS final on Fox. You didn't throw it to Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2 or uh, relegate it to the Internet. You put it on Fox. Everyone was able to just tune in and watch it. And I'm sure there's going to be some criticism that, oh, well, if you're trying to introduce it to a national audience, you could have picked a better style of game. Like, that was a slog. We talked about it earlier. (laughs) That was a rough game. I mean, it, it was a trench warfare. Uh, it was a cold, rough game where every 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 time it looked like somebody was getting ready to run a counter, the the engine blew up. And they had to rebuild it from scratch, and that happens. Like, I mean, I think you mentioned it last night, but other people mentioned it on Twitter. Like, championship games aren't always pretty. You know, when you've got two teams playing in a title game, it's not always going to be. You know, it, it's not going to look like a Real Madrid uh, scrimmage where people are getting creative and adorable and whatnot. Like it's, it's going to be, they're going to be ugly times. And that's something that the league and the, the sport in itself is going to, I think, I wonder if they're, I wonder how much they're going to struggle with just non soccer fans, bringing them into the fold nationally because at times like the high profile games, they're not always going to be pretty. They're going to be it's interesting. Getting, it's getting the fans to buy in emotionally. And that's, that's the difference. And uh, B.J. Bennett, who is uh, somebody I've been on his radio show down in South Georgia on ESPN Coastal, uh, great show, Three and Out, um, if you're in that area. He's a big soccer fan, and he mentioned when, when I tweeted out, you know, like we're getting complaints about the style of play, but that has nothing to do with the final. Uh, he, he mentioned that he's enjoyed it. It's been very compelling, and, and that's what a final is. It's not about a Barcelona – you know, uh, Villarreal game in the middle of the season where Barca wins 5-1 and just plays a wide-open style, it's not that game. It's not the exhibition game in the Rose Bowl with 90,000 people waiting for Messi to do tricks. This is a final. This is a championship game. So it's a lot tighter. It's compelling. It's You're emotionally invested, especially if you're a fan of one of the teams. But just in general, if you're a fan of the sport, you – the game, the game, the league, the competition has to get you emotionally invested. And I am. I mean, I know I was on the edge of my seat for that 
Was there some bad soccer in it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a final. I'm not judging it like the uh, like a figure skating judge. I'm judging it off. Am I invested in this? And I was. Yeah, and and there were and you know we I talk about narratives at times with with sports in general. Like sport is a narrative driven thing at times, and and it was last night. Like you had Seattle with one of the better turnarounds you're going to see, not just in this sport, but in sports period. I feel like if we gave, I feel like if we really explained to people like, okay, here's, here's what happened. Here's what just happened with Seattle. Here's where they were. Here's where they became like, you don't understand. This was, this was something else. Like they just decided we're going to go from being a hot mess to winning the MLS cup. Like the narrative was there. You had Toronto who uh, went from being a couple of years ago, a really, really bad team. They spent the money. They built the team up, and uh, here they are in their final. Like, and you had two teams who were not a part of the original MLS making it to the final. It was, there were plenty of big storylines that, in a lot of other sports, would have gotten a lot of play. But MLS has got to get there first. Last night was a solid first step in terms of if you're if I shouldn't say the first step because there have been other steps, but if you're trying to make that jump, that was a good way to go about it. So MLS Cup last night drew a 1.0 overnight rating for Fox. Uh, Ties is the best figure for the game since 2001. Um, uh, Austin Karp at Sports Business Daily uh, mentioned the local rating in Seattle, but also said the move to a Saturday night broadcast as opposed to a, I believe they've, they've been running Saturday afternoons, and they've had a couple years where it's been up against like the SEC championship game. Uh, Rating was, yeah, I was really glad they weren't trying to go up against the SEC championship. Yeah, and they weren't on a Sunday afternoon up against NFL. So it was uh, a good move. I, it wouldn't shock me if we see that again, although the rumor that's out there about the MLS schedule for next year would have the final on the day after Thanksgiving, which would hmm. be a little different. But it's also talking about a 31-game schedule as opposed to 34. So... That's still rumored. Haven't heard anything about competition format for next year. Uh, kind of waiting to see what that looks like in terms of scheduling. Uh, John Nelson, uh, our friend, mentioned about Fox specifically. They have to mainstream it, introducing U.S. men's national team players like Bradley and Altidore versus Jordan Morris, and then introduce the other stars, which is a good point. And you saw that a lot of the promotion centered around Bradley and Altidore uh, and Jordan Morris, as opposed to Sebastian Giovinco and Nicholas Ladero, which was probably the more hardcore soccer audience talking about that matchup. So it is about telling a story and getting people invested and connecting. And it takes some time. It takes time because the World Series this year, everybody knew the story. Cubs hadn't won in forever. Cleveland hadn't won in forever. That's compelling. Okay, cool. I can watch and be invested, even if I'm not yeah, a baseball I'm, fan. I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of tired of the Cubs. Oh, wow. It's already turned? It's, it's already turned heel on me. It's just great. I've got wow. friends who are Cubs fans, and I've told them, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of you right now. And they're great with it. They're, they're very okay after this long being uh, – they're, I, think they, I think they'd be okay being the heel. The Cubs like they, they, they're still, heel. They, they, are, they are enjoying it, and they should. They should definitely enjoy it because I've known some really miserable Cubs fans in my life, and I'm glad they're getting their championship, but turn heel. Do it. Do what Boston did, except not as obnoxiously, please. Oh yeah, that was that was a bad heel turn. Yeah, that was that was like the stone cold heel turn after uh, attacking the Rock with the chair at WrestleMania 17. 
just yeah. just not good. Nobody wanted to see that. You know, I, no I think Atlanta wanted to see Boston become Yankees of New England. Exactly. I think in the, in Atlanta's case, you know, we've talked about it a lot, where it seems like Atlanta's going to play the heel role in MLS. Atlanta's Ted DiBiase. Yeah, Ted DiBiase from the jump too. So, you know, overspending for players and and throwing the money around. You know, I mean, is is Arthur Blank JJ Dillon at this point? Is that where we're at here? With the, are we going back to the Four Horsemen thing? It's Who's just, our Virgil? <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that I don't know yet. Uh, we got to see who this roster is first. Um, I'm not. That's a good one. I don't know about that one. Oh man. Um, but yeah, I guess the the whole point I was getting to with all this was, uh, it's cool that Seattle is like going beyond which Seattle is a unique town with soccer. Anyway, they're going beyond just soccer. You've got the other teams. Uh, oh, um, Orlando city FC, just like casually dropping knowledge, uh, with, uh, the Harrison Heath move. Like they just, Oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Breaking news. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, okay. we get three and of Atlanta, them. And Atlanta just announced, uh, Williams. So. And Heath and Kratz. Oh, so All really, three, we'll be, uh, we we should have put this off for two hours. Okay. Uh, uh, Atlanta <laughs> is cool. giving up. Atlanta is giving up the fourth round pick, then the Atlanta's natural fourth round pick for the 2019 Super Draft to bring in Harrison Heath. Okay, so 2019 Super Draft, Atlanta's fourth round pick is going to Orlando for Harrison Heath. Fourth round draft picks rarely hit. So to be honest, they're they're giving up. Something on paper. Uh, same for Kratz. They're giving up the 2020 Super Draft pick in the fourth round. So, again, you're giving up a fourth-round pick in 19 to Orlando, a fourth-round pick in 20 to Philly, and then Romario Williams is in exchange for a conditional third-round pick in the 2018 Super Draft. The Impact will receive Atlanta's second round pick in 2018 if Williams appears in a game for Atlanta during the 2017 season. That's an interesting condition on the Romario Williams deal. So if Williams plays for Atlanta United, then Montreal gets a second round pick. If he goes on loan for the year and does not play for Atlanta United, then it's a third round pick. So we're trading draft picks, no allocation money, nothing else for these three players that we can officially add to the Atlanta United roster. Kevin Kratz, defensive midfielder, Harrison Heath, defensive midfielder, Romario Williams, forward slash winger. Do you think this might be a a thing where if both of these guys really hit in the defensive mid, you push McCann to the left back? Not all the time. Uh, Does it open up that door, you think? It gives you flexibility. It gives you rotation. McCann can play on the left. Um, you have the option to play two of these guys together uh, behind Al Miron. Um, I, you know, I need to see more of Kratz and Heath to see, you know, are they, you know, anchor defensive mids? Are they box to box? Can they get forward into the attack? It appears that McCann is a player who can get forward a bit more and maybe support Almiron a little bit more. Maybe Kratz or Heath sit behind him. Uh, we've talked about that 4-1-4-1 type of look. Uh, 
it's it's going to be interesting to see how the pieces come together now. But McCann has some flexibility in where you see him play. Kratz and Heath are a little more established as central midfielders, and that's what they do. I want to point out somebody, uh, two United fans, um, which is a uh, uh, it's it's fans that produce the we call it soccer podcast, which is up there in uh, Minnesota. They actually operate out of Twin Cities up there. So uh, was some they just retweeted somebody commenting. It's like it's thirty degrees in Toronto today. It is ten degrees in St. Paul. You imagine St. Paul hosting an MLS Cup in ten degree weather. Whew. There's a, there's a point where the body shuts down. That's, that's not far off. Yeah, I hope that we're not in that one. Um, or at least I hope that the press conference is extremely well uh, well heated. I hope the press box is, is very well heated. Oh, man. That's, that's, not, okay. that's, that's not okay. That's not okay. So nobody else in MLS wants to make any moves. Um, Atlanta's brought in – Four players this morning. Uh, nobody that's unexpected as of yet. You put up as Lunum is not happy about it either. They're tweeting out. Um, they're tweeting out Caddyshack gifs at this point about Judge Smales. <laughs> Atlanta United has brought in more players this morning than Minnesota United has. Period. That's where we're at with expansion for 2017. Um, if you're Minnesota, yeah, this is fine. I, I I feel bad for our E Pluribus Lunum friends, but oof. This is this is something. Um, all right, so four guys in. We've got another 55 minutes left in the show and left in the transfer window. I'm I'm sure this is a situation like we see all the time, where as long as the paperwork is submitted uh, in time, I guess they'll approve the deal. So we might have some deals that get approved after we go off the air. But the biggest one we're still waiting on is Sean Johnson to Atlanta, and then Sean Johnson from Atlanta to NYCFC, which is what has been discussed by lots of people in the soccer world right now. When is that going to happen? What is Atlanta going to get from NYCFC? There you go. That's where I was going with it is that's the question. Uh, is Yeah, it's going to happen apparently, but what's coming back the other way? Yeah, and, and we don't know yet. Um so a couple comments that are popping up about this stuff. Cardick uh, Krishnire from South Florida. Uh, he knows the USL and Orlando scene very well. He said that this is a good move for Harrison Heath coming to Atlanta. Um, and then we haven't even talked about this part yet. So who is Minnesota United's manager? Adrian Heath, Harrison's dad. And I'm a, we I'm get Harrison in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't make that move. Not 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 to say that nepotism is always going to be a thing, but uh, I wonder if he had any interest in bringing his son in. That's a tough tough move, and I mean, I've even seen it rumored a little bit about uh, Bob Bradley bringing Michael into Swansea. That that opens up some some possibilities there. Uh, <laughs> the Minnesota people are not happy. Uh, they said, can't even get Heath's former players. <laughs> you got Heath. Just, it's fine. You can't, you can't get his son. <laughs> you, you, get, you, you have two guys from the NASL team. Atlanta gets Adrian Heath's 
Sun instead of Minnesota. That's that's where this trade window is. That's where the comparison between Atlanta United and Minnesota United is. Um, yeah. Another rumor that's out there, which is is not a surprise, is Stephen Goff for the Washington Post says, barring late developments, he's expecting LA Galaxy to hire Kurt Anolfo as their head coach, which is... Oh, there we go. As, yeah, it's been the rumor pretty consistently since Bruce left, and, and we've talked about LA and their situation moving forward. They're really looking at a different landscape from where they've been with LASC on the horizon, and uh, with Bruce leaving, with Robbie Keane leaving, with Landon Donovan going back to retirement, and bringing in Kurt Anolfo from your USL team, it really says to me, okay, we're not going to spend stupid money and be the Hollywood team like we have been. We're going to develop what we have a little bit more. And they have a very good academy. They have a very good USL program. Looks like they're going to develop a little more of what they already have as opposed to throwing the cash around. Yeah, and that's uh, it's nice for the rest of the league to wake up and do something. Because um, right now it was getting kind of lonely out here on the top. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm really waiting to see like as the the trade window gets closer to closing that uh, something crazy happened. I'm I'm very surprised that we haven't seen anything else in MLS yet. Uh, really upset. Other Oriol looks like he was dead on about it. I'm really upset with him about this. <laughs> yeah, there's some other players in that Michael Parkhurst type of mode who are out of contract and could potentially be going into a reentry draft or waiver draft situation that I'm surprised other teams haven't said, you know what, I'm going to go get this guy and get their rights and sign him. You know, there's some – you know, established players in this league who are in those spots. Uh, Seb Hines in Orlando is one who, you know, would go into the waiver draft right now. Uh, Colin Warner, Christian Maidana out of Houston are two guys that could help an MLS team currently. Um, You have Kevin Ellis, Ronald Zubar, Aaron Mon, center backs who are renegotiating with their teams. You have Charlie Davies. uh, You have Jermaine Jones, who is – possibly going to the LA galaxy. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm just surprised that no one else has been aggressive here yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of weird that no one's done much. Um, people are now throwing their support around Atlanta <laughs> until their teams come in. It's like, why not? At least they're making moves. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, footy mob says we're more of a Ric Flair. I can go for that. I'm okay with that. I can buy that. Um, I think I guess we're more of a Ric Flair than anything else. So that's that's fine. This is fine. It's I not a bad thing that. to be. As long as the, the post-game party that, at Kenwin Jones' uh, you know, restaurant don't get too out of hand, like some Ric Flair parties, we'll be all right. Oh. Uh, just, just keep open the Atlanta scanners when that happens. Yeah, I mean, I just always think of Ric Flair's quote about spending more on spilt liquor than you've made in your life. So let's, let's hope that that's not how Atlanta United operates. Oh, man, let's see. Yeah, Charlie Davies would be an interesting grab. I wonder if someone's going to grab Davies before this is all said and done. Davies will end up somewhere. He'll, he'll end up somewhere other than Philly. He's still got something to give. 
uh, it will people forever be for me just like what might have been. Like that is <laughs> that is Charlie Davies. Like just the raw athleticism, the skill, and I'm always going to look back and be really sad about Charlie Davies. Like, oh, you could have you 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 were on pace to be something really really fun. You can still have a solid MLS career here on the back end. Don't get me wrong, but oh my God, what could have been? Yes, and I'm laughing at a. Uh... Rob's like a tweet. <laughs> Rob says, but is it mixed? He is still on the uh, mixed discord train to Atlanta. I think he is driving the train, turtling down the track. You cannot be mad at Rob. He has been driving this train forever and nothing is going to deter him. It is, it is an admirable level of determination. Yeah, I mean he is he is definitely driving the mixed discary train. Uh it just appears to be derailed at this point. <laughs> so sorry, are. Rob. Sorry. Uh really the last question we have of what we expected to happen this morning is this Sean Johnson deal to Atlanta and then what happens with the NYC SC component. Um ah, not sure. Uh you know, like Paul Tenorio said, like we've talked about so far this morning, the Sean Johnson portion had been agreed upon. It appears that that can't be backed out of. So if Atlanta gets Brad Guzan, then they're going to move Sean Johnson. Now, my question when this started breaking as opposed or with him going to NYCSC was, then is the Guzan thing 100% done because if there's any worry that there could be a hiccup with Brad Kazan, then why do you trade Sean Johnson this morning? Why do you not bring him in? And just, I mean, I don't know how clear you want to be about saying it, but the Kazan thing is out there. It's, you know, you can ignore it. That's fine. But you could still announce Sean Johnson. You could still make the move and you could hold on to him in case, Brad Guzan's deal goes south. And like I mentioned, I had been told that there was still not a done deal for his transfer because MLS was very reluctant to pay a transfer fee in this case. They wanted Guzan to come on a free and it's unclear on if that's going to happen. Yeah, that's, I I think that's my question as well is um, what's going to be, like how much is it going to cost? Like, are we going to see him? Like, when's the move going to be announced? That sort of thing. Like we can tweet at him all day saying, Hey, announce so-and-so um, people are going to tweet him say, announce Poku. Uh, Rob is going to say, announce Nick's until the apocalypse happens. Even afterward, like it'll be, it'll be Robin, like whatever's left of the world. And he'll probably be still asking for mix. And I find that highly admirable. <laughs> consistent. Definitely consistent. Hey, own your, own your loves. Because I know I do. So we'll, we talked a little bit about these guys. And we'll kind of run through them again now that they're officially part of the roster. Romario Williams from Montreal. Uh, we're talking more speed forward. He can also play out wide. He was the number three pick in the 2015 MLS Super Draft. He scored 10 goals with the Charleston Battery last year. Uh, was a goal scorer at the University of Central Florida. He has one appearance with the Jamaican national team. Um, he is a player who, from what I've seen of him at Charleston, is 
very athletic, very gifted physically, decision-making, making the right runs, making the right decisions in terms of pass, shoot, dribble, that type of stuff is where he needs to improve. And if he can make that jump from where he is now to the next level, he, he's got all the tools to be a very good forward in MLS. He's not there yet. And I don't know, you know, when you look at this deal and you look at that conditional draft pick, it makes you wonder if Atlanta United is planning on acquiring him, but then loaning him out to Charleston or somewhere else for the whole 2017 season. Um, because if he plays in Atlanta in 2017, they give up a second round pick. If he doesn't play here in 2017, they give up a third round pick. Yeah. And that's, um, Oh, yeah, here we go. Doug Roberson, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta United acquires Sean Johnson in, in, him, in New York City FC for general allocation money and target allocation money per Doug Roberson of the AJC. So, okay, so, so our friend Doug has Sean Johnson coming to Atlanta and then being sent to NYCFC for GAM and TAM. Uh, that's interesting. That's significant. That That's is very significant. Uh, John Nelson also chiming in on that as well. Uh, we need to see what Atlanta United is giving up for Sean Johnson's rights that they are then flipping for other stuff. That's what I'm, I'm curious about here. So NYCFC has announced it. They have acquired Sean Johnson from Atlanta United for GAM and TAM. Um, I like that MLS clubs are just now using those abbreviations. That's that's where we're at. Now we're gonna have to have a fight. Um, Is it GAM or JAM? <laughs> it's GAM because it's general. I'm going GAM. This is not a a gift gift deal. Um, okay, so the NYCFC announcement is you know Sean Johnson. They're trading general allocation and targeted allocation. Uh, they, of course, have the great things to say about Sean Johnson, as we all would. So we need to see what was given to Chicago. That's the, the missing piece here at this point. Yeah, that's... Um, and that's, that's what this, I'm efforting at the moment. This has become our biggest question, because our biggest question was... Uh, was what Atlanta was going to get from New York City. Now we know, now the question shifts to, okay, well, that's really, that's really significant. How much is it, and what did we give up to Chicago in the first place to open this door? Yeah, I mean, if they pulled it off where they gave less to Chicago to get Sean Johnson and then got more from NYCFC to give up Sean Johnson, that is a wheeling dealing hell of a move. Yeah. If you get him for, I don't know how long Sean Johnson has on paper been an Atlanta United player. Um, Cause like we said, once that deal was done, they couldn't back out to get Brad Guzan and just say, okay, Chicago, we're not coming to get Sean Johnson. You go do what you want. They couldn't get out of that. So if they were then able to flip Sean Johnson for more, that is an amazing piece of business. Yeah, and we'll have to see what what the information says. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this is this is where we're at right now. This is the biggest piece of info from today's trade window is the the Sean Johnson proposed move to NYCFC after coming to Atlanta is done. 
uh, the NYCFC side has announced it. That's happened. And you would have to expect that that means Brad Guzan will be the number one okay. goalkeeper for Atlanta okay, United. Stephen Goff says Atlanta United acquired Sean Johnson from Chicago for general allocation money, then traded him for general and targeted. So they, they gave up general, and we don't know the amounts, but they gave up general to Chicago. They get general and targeted from NYCFC for having Sean Johnson on paper for a few days. Yeah. Wow. That's um, a move. I want to know how the Chicago fans feel about that because they just got worked. <laughs> I, they, I mean, they, they got less for Sean Johnson than Atlanta United did, and he didn't even play here. Which is a shame that because I really was dumpster. looking forward to, like, I was really looking yes. forward to the local kid being the goalkeeper, but. Yes, and. I, this is that's the the shame of it is Sean Johnson is a you know, Lilburn guy, a Brookwood High School guy, uh, a very good goalkeeper. He'll do very well for NYCFC. I think getting into a new environment is what he needed at this point. Uh, I think he was the plan for Atlanta United all along, especially when they hired Aaron Hyde as the goalkeeper coach, who had been Johnson's goalkeeper coach with Chicago. I think that was the plan. I think this Brad Guzan thing has come about you know, late in the game and Atlanta United reacted and responded very well, very quickly. And were able to make the most of this deal and just fleece Chicago. So <laughs> at this point, let's see, Harris just wrote the article saying uh, Sean Johnson becomes the shortest tenured player in history. Someone's showing up with a TIFO in honor of Sean Johnson at a game that's happening. Like we miss you, Sean. <laughs> forever Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so we're getting some tweets from, from the listeners. Uh, Kyle mentions you get targeted allocation money, so you can go sign Guzan. Makes sense. And, you know, you're getting some targeted. You're also combining it with the targeted you already have. You go get Guzan. It's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. Um, Chicago has announced the their portion of the deal to Atlanta. Let's see if there's anything else in that press release uh, we're yeah, going in. And I, I imagine you don't do this unless you're sure that Guzan is coming to town. Exactly. You don't. Um, <laughs> Footy Mob asks if the Sean Johnson deal was a wheeling, dealing, kiss, dealing, jet flying, Rolex buying kind of a deal. Very well could be. Um, again, the Ric Flair reference. This was a Ric Flair kind of move right here. This is. Again, if you're Chicago, if you are Nelson Rodriguez, if you are Chicago Fire fans, you have to be like, man, we just got played. Because they did. They could have made the move with NYCSC on their own, but they chose to make it with Atlanta when they did. And we don't know when that was, and I'm sure we'll get some behind the scenes on this at some point. But You mean they, when Atlanta has a 30 for 30 made about them? Yes, when, when the 30-for-30 the 30 30 of the build of Atlanta United goes down and you get uh, Bocanegra and Darren Eels at Kenwin Jones' restaurant with a couple drinks laughing about this move because right now they should absolutely be celebrating it. I uh, know. Um, oh, God, I just picture it now. Them just sitting at this really loungy restaurant that Kenwin owns and just talking about, what if I told you you could rebuild a city and build a team at the same time? <laughs> what if I told you that we could just absolutely work the Chicago Fire on a move? Well, what well, if Paul I told Tenorio, you that? Paul Tenorio reminds us that um, 
you know, we don't get an idea really of how much money. There's not much transparency here in the way of we don't know how much is going each way. Um, he calls for more transparency in that regard. Now, I, I agree with him. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see how much uh, how much we gave to Chicago and then how much we're getting from New York because I cannot imagine Atlanta does not end up in the black here. Like they made money to. off of Sean Johnson. Yeah, you have to. Um, again, what a move! What a what a reaction to the game here of acquiring a team and putting this roster together. And you went one direction. You go get Sean Johnson, very good goalkeeper. The opportunity comes about to potentially, in your mind, get a better goalkeeper, and you jump on it and you take advantage of it and you go make a move to get more stuff for a player that you didn't even truly have. Uh, I would Pretty like amazing. To, uh, I would like to take a moment of silence, though, because uh, in that general allocation and target allocation, that general allocation and target allocation, neither one of those are the uh, legal names of a one-mixed disco route. So that's not happening today, <laughs> probably. <laughs> is, is Rob okay? Do we know if Rob is okay at this point that it was not mix instead of Tam? I I don't know. <laughs> Parker is down with the uh, the Ric Flair comparisons at this point. There is definitely some wheeling and dealing going on in Atlanta United. Um, oh man, you're seeing uh, this is where I feel bad. Like some people who were really looking forward to Sean Johnson coming to Atlanta and that becoming oh, a thing. I, I was yeah. too. Um, and, and we can get into the comparison between the two of, of Johnson and Kazan. You know, what, we, we won't really truly be able to compare it until we see salary cap figures, until we see, you know, what that hit is. Because right now, if you look at it, you're talking about a 27-year-old Sean Johnson who is – going to be cap wise between 250 and 300,000 next year and a Tam signing of Brad Guzan. And we don't know what he's going to hit on the cap, but could be around that amount would probably be a safe bet. Um, if the money's the same, which one do you prefer and why? And it, it sounds like Atlanta United has decided that they would rather have Guzan to fit what they want to do than Johnson. What do, you, what do you think? If the money is the same, which very well could be roughly in the ballpark. Um, I think this is another, this, this actually leads to another question is what are your thoughts on uh, Tembakis? What are your thoughts on other young goalkeepers in the system? Do you have the kind of faith where you feel comfortable bringing it First off, like I love Sean Johnson. I'll take Guzan. I mean, he's, He's very well proven. That's that's not an issue here. Um, Guzan's a bit older, obviously. Um, do you view him more as we're going to get off the ground with Guzan, but we don't see him as a long-term option because we think we have enough raw talent at goalkeeper that we can plug in down the line? Is Guzan going to be here, be our veteran, and kind of teach while he plays out the string here? of what might be kind of like, and I'm not saying it's the end of his career. Don't get me wrong. Um, you also might decide to flip him at a later date because Guzan is 32. So that's not, he's not, nah, I'm, I'm thinking he, it's like, he's not like he's, I'm not saying he's, he's old. He's 32 years old. He's, it's not like he's Brad Friedel sitting up there at what? 40. <laughs> yeah. 48. Yes. It's a little different. 
Uh, we oh. might have an opinion opinion on this. Uh, we do have uh, John Nelson uh, from OSG Sports and Dirty South Soccer on the line. I punch him in now. Please do. John, are you there? Uh, hopefully. No, hey, you're there. You are. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How you doing, Learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Exactly. <laughs> That's where we're at right now in terms of Atlanta United just pulling a heist on Chicago. No question. And to the points that were made just before I punched in with Guzan as the proposed number one, Tambacus laying there, do you chase after Jimmy Maurer, another local product, to slide him into that rotation as well? Yeah, that's absolutely it, an option. That's a really good point because the the situation is different now. When it was Johnson as your number one, I would have probably went – veteran backup and loan Tambacus. There you go. You're not going to go veteran backup with another a veteran on top of Guzan because you're talking about a 32-year-old guy who's been everywhere. You're you're either going to have Tambacus as your number 2 or go get a Jimmy Maurer who could be the number 1 guy here in, in you know a year or two depending on how long you think you're going to have with Guzan. I think it it does change that look at who the number 2 is now be, in, with it Guzan instead of Johnson. And now, I think when you look at the Chicago organization, I have seen a lot of fans giving it a less than flattering nickname of the Chicago Dumpster Fire, and I think that this deal just reinforces that. I don't know how you spin it. Only I really don't know how they spin <laughs> That would spin it. I don't think it would spin it out of the dumpster fire, but it would spin it. And uh, you just you scratch your head, and to E. Pluribus Lunum's point, you're going to have some very, very bad football in the upper Midwest next season with Chicago and Minnesota. Minnesota not doing anything today. It fits their M.O. so far, and that's not a good M.O. to have. Not at all. I mean, it's it's very surprising to me that we're sitting here 30 minutes left in the trade window. There's really nothing being discussed elsewhere in the league at this point. So Atlanta United has brought in four players. They've really given up very little uh, general allocation money a possible legitimate draft pick in the Romario Williams deal, the the Kratz and Heath deals, as I've seen uh, a couple people, I think Will Parchman tweeted, you know, if you're giving up a fourth round pick or you're getting a fourth round pick for a guy, you're basically giving him away. For you're giving free. him away for nothing. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. That was, so it's not inaccurate. You haven't given, no, you haven't given up much and you've even pulled in some additional targeted allocation money on this Johnson deal. So, I mean, it's not like there's been a lot of activity, but you have to say Atlanta United is, is completely winning the 2017 postseason or offseason so far. And so, to our analogies that we've made this morning, I, I think that Darren really is fitting into the Jim Cornette role, and all he needs now is the loaded tennis racket. <laughs> oh, very nice. That's I like it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much. We're going full out, like, heel, super stable at this point with these moves. So uh, anything else, John, um, 
Anything else on the comparison between Guzan and Johnson? Or are you good with this this decision that the club's made? I'm still wondering whether which Brad Guzan we're going to get. To me, it's uh, I'm Missouri right now. Show me. And you, the the Brad Guzan that we saw at Aston Villa as they were on their way to relegation seemed like he was just a guy back there who was just getting shot after shot after shot, and a lot of them were going past him. So I'm hoping that all of that is just a byproduct of the defense and everything that has gone on in front of him as opposed to who he is as a goalkeeper. That's the larger question for me. Which Brad Guzan are we getting, and will this fresh start that we're all supposing is going to happen, is that going to be fresh start, new Brad Guzan, new home, and someone that the fans can wrap themselves around with a name and bringing the mainstream person in. You guys were getting into the discussion about MLS Cup and how Fox was promoting it. Same thing here. Hey, you've got a U.S. national team guy for those who aren't the diehards that they can lock themselves into in addition to the local guys that are down on the farm working their way through. That's my biggest question. Good point. And I think there is a lot to to be said about Brad Guzan's kind of recovery because at the club level it's been wildly inconsistent again similar to Johnson and he's been on bad teams and let's yeah. see what he can do pairing up with Michael Parkhurst really organizing a defense which we expect will be pretty young around those two guys but you have two very seasoned veterans to lead them and it's it's a, it's a good setup so far now let's see how the piece is filling around it Yep, and so I guess if we continue our Midnight Express analogy, does that make Guzan, Bobby Eaton, and Michael Parker Stan Lane or Dennis Condry? I guess that's where we're going now. <laughs> nice. I and love that we're going for, these places. This makes me happy. Yes. For for those of you who are like, what, who? WWE Network, go look them up. These these are the, the, the legends. Use the Google. These are the le- the legends of wrestling that Atlanta United is emulating in being the heels of MLS at this point. Everybody's, everybody needs a heel. Yeah, All right, for guys, sure. Half hour left, and uh, I will continue to monitor and, and ferret stuff your way, and, and uh, we'll see what happens with the paperwork that it's the fax machine by Noon Eastern. Yeah, we'll see it. if any more come down. Thanks, thanks, John. Thanks for calling in. Anytime, guys. All right, take care. Oh man, this is all right. This so is we're, not going well in Chicago. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it's it's very bad for the Chicago Fire right now. Um, <laughs> all, I can, I'm all I'm seeing shocked. is just people rolling in asking, "Can we find out about how much money?" Just because we want to know how hard to laugh. Yeah, and that's that's where this is right now for Chicago. So, all of the expected moves have have happened um <laughs> uh footy mob is, is absolutely killing it if you are not following uh at footy mob right now stop and make that happen um okay we're gonna kind of wrap up here in a minute as to where we are what's next what the next steps are a couple more questions that have popped up andy hollams on twitter have y'all heard anything about any more former silverbacks mincing and paul black uh could they fit with atlanta united uh, mincing i would say no uh I think he really started to struggle a little bit at the NASL level this past year with Carolina. 
Uh, Paul Black is one who possibly could. Um, when you look at what he can do as a left back, you look at what he can do getting up and down the field. Uh, he, and age, he could be a guy who could be in the mix. We'll see if, I think really where he's at level wise, he would be a training camp invitee and see if he can earn a deal. I don't think he's a guy you're going to go out and, and sign straight away out of the NASL. Uh, what I'm curious about is guys like that in terms of Minnesota United that they would know and see and really have a great understanding of the level. Are they going to look to go get some of these NASL guys that I, if I'm not mistaken, they have a higher priority ranking in getting than Atlanta would outside of, I think there's one player Atlanta can, can designate that if that is not part of Minnesota's roster already that, they would have the priority over Minnesota. They have to pick one and, and claim them. Minnesota should just actually do something, anything, God, anything. I mean, announce what they had for breakfast, please. Oh, God, anything. Just, I don't know. They, I expected, honestly, I expected more out of Minnesota today. That's not to say that they won't make moves later. You know, we've got the draft this week. There's the offseason. There's still plenty of time, but I expected, I expected stuff out of them today. I know we heard a lot about Atlanta. I figured maybe Minnesota's doing the no leaks thing, but it's been all quiet on the Western front. Well, the it's Midwest been no front. nothing thing. And that's, you know, I, I get, okay, if you're, you know, trying to make moves or whatever and you can't get any players, that's fine. I mean, Atlanta figured out how to get three guys for depth, get a starting center back, and clear the road for your goalkeeper. And they figured out how to do it without having players to trade. So it can be done. Uh, Minnesota has the same draft picks that Atlanta has. They could have made these types of moves. They could have given a third-round pick instead of a fourth-round pick for a Harrison Heath, for a Kevin Kratz. They could have given more up for a Mario Williams. They could have thrown allocation money to a Columbus and committed to re-signing a Michael Parkhurst. There was nothing stopping them, and they have chosen not to, and we'll see where it gets them in the long run. Because right now, Minnesota United and Minnesota fans have to be looking at what's happening down here in Atlanta and just be incredibly jealous. Yeah, and the, it's, it's even out of the Midwest, people are like, what the hell are you doing, Chicago? But I wonder if this is one of those things where I'm mean, going back to Chicago and Atlanta and New York, this little triangle of uh, robbery that we're seeing. Um, Atlanta might have made the move for for Johnson straight up and said, okay, yeah, here's some here's some jam. And then turned around and said, hey, anybody want Sean Johnson? New York said, yeah, we'll give we'll, yeah, well, sure, we'll give you uh, Gam and Tam. And Atlanta just went, uh, okay, yeah. You don't need to know what we paid for him. Um, so yeah, so that Atlanta, mean, Atlanta just saying. Atlanta just flipped Sean Johnson like a house. That's everything that I've heard is that you know they went and, and made the move for Sean Johnson because that's who they wanted as their goalkeeper. You did bring in Johnson's goalkeeping coach from Chicago on your staff. I think they at that time wanted Sean Johnson to be their number one. I think Brad Guzan became available later. And now that Atlanta United has the number one spot on the allocation list, and as much as we've talked about a Tim Ream, I don't think Ream makes as much sense with Parkhurst. I think you now have the option to go younger at center back next to Parkhurst. 
so you don't have to go with with a ream. Guzan is the most likely and best player that you can get in that allocation order. And you have the option to get him, even though you'd already made a move for Sean Johnson, you feel like you can get better there and you go do it and you flip it maybe. And as you know, I've seen a little bit of speculation, you know, maybe they, maybe it's a wash. Maybe they gave up some general allocation money and they got a mix of the same amount, but getting some TAM in it as well, get a a mix of GAM and TAM from NYCSC. Maybe they really wanted more TAM. TAM is very valuable. They already have a stockpile. They wanted to add a little more to it. That's going to help you get Brad Guzan. It pays for some of that deal. It's a smart move. Even if it's a wash in terms of Atlanta giving X amount of GAM and getting X amount but split between GAM and TAM, Yeah. if it's getting a wash, the same, it's the same still amount, a good but Getting a split. Right. It's still a good move and a smart move because you feel like you were able to upgrade at goalkeeper – um, I mean, you you were able. They feel like it's an upgrade from uh, from Sean Johnson to Brad Guzan. Yeah, and I I don't disagree at all. I think it is an upgrade, and we'll I mean we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, people are just like retweeting all these all these gets by Atlanta. Um, y'all y'all are spoiled. We're all spoiled right now because guess what? We might not have another day like this. So enjoy it, please. Um, enjoy Atlanta, kind of being in the face of everything right now, because this isn't the thing that's going to continue. Like, it's not going to be like this every year. Um, so enjoy it. And it's a lot of talent coming Atlanta's way. Oh, man. This so, yeah, it's craziness. This is an Atlanta team um, going all out to put a quality product on the field year one and be competitive year one. So let's recap now that we are closing down the window uh, with about 19 minutes left, 18 minutes left, according to my clock. Uh, right now, sitting here today, Atlanta United does not have Brad Guzan, but it is expected because of the way the Sean Johnson deal was done that Brad Guzan will be the starting goalkeeper for Atlanta United. Alex Tambakis is your number two at the moment. You have Michael Parkhurst as a starting center back, and he is the only defender on the roster as of this moment. You have the two Newell's uh, reserves, Milton Valenzuela at left back and Maximiliano Palacci at center back that are rumored, and even um, some rumors have it a done deal that they're coming to Atlanta on loan with an option to buy. You now have three defensive midfield options with Chris McCann, Kevin Kratz, and Harrison Heath. Uh, they can also fill some different roles in central midfield, depending on how you, work, how you work it. You have Chris Goslin in the mix there as well, homegrown signing as a central midfielder. More attacking midfielder roles centrally, you have Miguel Almiron and Junior Burgos on the roster today. You have Andrew Carlton, who can play central or on the left. You have Tito Fischalba, who is going to be on the right. And up top, you have Kenwin Jones, Brandon Vasquez, Jeffrey Otu, and Romario Williams. You have so an you army are, up front. Yes, and you are really starting to see, okay, now where are the holes? What is going to be prioritized in Tuesday's expansion draft? So, you know, we will be getting those lists tomorrow. At some point, teams have today after the trade window and I think early tomorrow, I'm not sure what the deadline is to submit a list. 
MLS will probably release them lunchtime or early afternoon. We'll know who will be available in the expansion draft to Atlanta and Minnesota. Atlanta has the first pick. The biggest holds, when you look at this roster, right back is wide open. Left wing is pretty open because I don't think any of us are expecting Andrew Carlton will start and be your left winger every game in his first year as a professional. I think you could see him come off the bench. I think you could see him in the mix. I don't think you're going to put that on him to be a starter day one. Um, so left wing is a big possibility. That different type of central midfielder to complement Almiron and the defensive midfielder roles with McCann and Kratz and Heath, you could see something there. Uh, depending on how you feel on Valenzuela and Palachi, you could see moves at center back and at left back as well. You could also see that number two goalkeeper, if you're going to loan Tambacus for another year, come into play here as well. So it's, it's more, it's, it's more than a skeleton at this point. We kind of know where we're at. We know where the holes are. And tomorrow night when we have our Facebook chat, we'll be able to go through specifically some of the players that are available who could fill those spots. Yeah. And uh, as we're unfolding everything here, um, uh, the boss Rob is throwing just really good shade at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's are going to have a, the most fire NASL all-star team ever. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we're not even, there's going to be a rivalry here, but we're not even pulling punches anymore. My God. Um, Sounders at Heart points out, uh, or SB Nation and Sounders at Heart, pointing out that uh, Sounders start their exit interviews at 9 a.m. They're going to oh, yeah. get an idea no, of they're... who's on the block, who's unprotected, who gets released. Like, that, that joy is going to go – that joy for some of them is going to go away really fast. That's the tough spot about it is for, you know, Toronto and Seattle, who, you know, both had the epic MLS Cup final on Saturday – they're going to lose a player on Tuesday. I think both of them, Toronto for sure, looking at who could be available from them, they're going to lose somebody. And it's probably going to be an outside back. It's going to depend on who jumps who first. first. Yeah, because you're only going to lose one. Seattle's going to have some players as well who will be available in the, that expansion draft that will be very appealing. So both of them could lose a guy after just ending their season. You know, it's a little different for your teams that have been out of the playoffs or, or just knocked out. They've went through their exit interviews. It's all, you know, they're well into the off season for Seattle, especially it's, it's an abrupt end and an abrupt move into reality. Yeah. That's, um, that's going to be interesting. And, and never forget in a couple of years, there, I'm not saying it'll happen because we might not have, a, uh, we might not have an expansion draft when LA comes in, when other teams start coming in. Atlanta could be in this position going down the road. They they likely will be next year. Uh, you had you always have this MLS Cup week where you have lots of different national interviews and and state of the league addresses and all that. And uh, I believe it was Todd Durbin from the league office said that he fully expects there to be an expansion draft next year, even if LA comes in by themselves. So Atlanta will be going through this process. It'll probably be very similar with a, a five round type of draft. I think MLS has decided they'd rather give additional allocation monies to their expansion teams to build a roster rather than taking players. Other teams don't want, uh, they can 
be of a higher quality quicker. And at least Atlanta's figured that out. I don't think Minnesota got the memo. So <laughs> I'm tickled that Minnesota couldn't get the coaches son. <laughs> They're just losing their minds. <laughs> I mean, it's just shocking at this point that Minnesota has done nothing except sign two guys, not even the guy that everybody is waiting on them to sign and Christian Ramirez, the forward. They yeah, signed two guys. Uh, they're, they backed themselves into a corner on him because there were offers made, uh, according to a lot of people, that there were offers made for him. I don't know about MLS, but definitely uh, in Mexico for his transfer, and Minnesota turned him down, and now they don't want to pay the money he wants. And he might want money that is a little unrealistic, but at this point, you basically turn down money to keep him, and now you decide, oh, well, we don't want to keep him after all. So you just hurt yourself twice. And if Christian Ramirez becomes available, be very curious to see where he could end up. Um, he's a player who can score goals in MLS. Day one, he can step straight in and score goals. I mean, we just saw this morning, or I'm sorry, I think it was, I think it was last night, uh, Joe Corona turned down a move to come back to the MLS. He's staying down he, in Mexico. He did, and that was a little surprising. He had a really good uh, loan spell. So um, Doug Roberson just tweeted, 12 minutes left, will Atlanta United make one more move? I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I wonder if Doug knows something we don't know. If it's Christian um, Ramirez, we're shutting down this podcast. <laughs> if it's Christian Ramirez or a player from Chicago uh, for a fourth-round draft pick in 2030, then, yes, it's, it's all over. And we're just crowning Atlanta United now as the kings of the offseason. Yeah, um, they are the offseason 27. So far, so far, Atlanta. So far. At the first at – the at the first leg of the race, Atlanta United has won the uh, has won the Derby. Yeah, Atlanta has won the United has won the derby. 2017 MLS offseason uh, Dixie Cup at this point because uh, adding four players and getting some additional TAM, uh, it's it's a it's a good move. It's a smart move. You really didn't give up much. I mean, when you when you get down to it. You let's let's say that the the Johnson moves were a wash, but you got some Tam instead of some Gam. Okay, that's that that's a good thing because I think Tam is a little more valuable the way the league's structured at this point. So that's a win. You give up some Gam for Parkhurst. Uh, you probably are getting you you probably didn't give up more than you got in the NYCFC deal. Probably I'm I'm speculating because we don't know these amounts, but. I don't think you gave up significant general allocation money for Michael Parkhurst. No. You traded two future fourth-round picks and, at the most, a second-round pick. So, you didn't give up anything. The second-round pick, maybe, but you're also trading a second-round pick for a guy who was number three in the draft in 2015 and could turn into something probably better than you would get with that second round pick in 2018. So I, they absolutely won the day. Um, there's still a little bit of time, uh, eight, about eight and a half minutes. We'll see if another move gets made. Uh, we'll see if anything else comes out the rest of the day. 
I think there will be a lot of talk after this closes out as to what's next. The biggest thing to watch for if you're, you're trying to get ready for expansion draft is the chatter out of other cities as to their potential protective lists. We'll see if those start to leak because that will have a huge impact on the direction for Atlanta United. We've talked about Gonzalo Verón from the Red Bulls, and he is a player who would fit in that TAM structure that could be bought down very easily with this stash of targeted allocation money that Atlanta United has. And he could be your left winger that you're looking for. He already has a connection with Tito Vichalba. They played together at San Lorenzo. And if you have an attacking trio of Vishalba, Verone, and Almiron with stupid speed between the three of them behind Kenwin Jones as your target, that is an attack that you haven't seen much of in MLS expansion, non-expansion. That is a serious attack in this league that can do damage straight away. Yeah, and um, so something just crossed my mind as I'm watching all this unfold. Uh, and I don't wish this. I don't wish this on him because I love him. Can you imagine if Sean Johnson isn't the starting goalkeeper next year for Chicago or for New York? Oof! And that they would end not up paying, be good. They end up paying Gam Tam for the guy who's not their starting goalkeeper. Well, they that's an upgrade for them. I it's I an upgrade, think... but they're even. They're, yeah. I mean, and they're and they're being very diplomatic in saying so. Uh, that, uh, you know, he'll compete for the starting role. It's like, yeah, that's right. Oh, God, what if he doesn't win it? Uh, He'll be the guy. I mean, I I think some of the criticism of Josh Saunders has been over the top, but, you know, Saunders is older. Johnson is a better goalkeeper. Um, It's going to happen. There is now, I think Doug actually was on to something. There could be a move that will be announced after the window so it's going to be after we go off the air um be on the lookout uh for a move uh don't know what it's going to be yet but just basically a stay tuned is is all that that i've heard Hmm. so could be one of these paperwork type of things and another thing to keep in mind okay we've talked about trade window for players there's not a trade window for other stuff. So they could trade draft picks. They could trade allocation monies. They could trade damn TAM. Um, international slots, which we haven't seen one yet. Those can be traded anytime. So that can happen outside of the window. So as we're looking at now international slots becoming an issue for Atlanta United, that's something that could happen at any point. So be on the lookout for, for something along those lines, but, there could be a little more action before the day is out. Yeah, and that's and this is this isn't uncommon in trade windows in other sports as well. Where you'll see a uh, you'll see the window officially shut at a certain point, and deals will roll in for thirty minutes to an hour afterwards. This paperwork getting is getting finalized and getting approved by the league, and everything is made official. They have to write up press releases, this sort of thing, that this, that, and the other, and all that sort of jazz. That's absolutely a thing that could happen, and it could not just be Atlanta. We could other see, see other teams decide to make moves. Um, who was I think it was Kyle who who uh, mentioned um, felt like the trade window was created for Atlanta yet no other teams are making moves unless involved with us. I mean it feels that way right now. 
Um, this is this is the most active I can remember a post MLS Cup trade window in an expansion year. Um, New York City made a bunch of trades last or not last summer, summer uh, before they came in. They picked up some guys in that summer and then loaned them out for the fall before they came in. Uh, you've seen some moves post expansion draft, but actual moves in this window this is by far the most active i can ever remember um had a question from robin uh Seguini about what's our international count up to right now and guys who are on the roster as of this moment and i hope i get all these right mccann is an international kratz is an international almiron is an international vishalba is an international Kenwin Jones is an international. O2 is an international. Romario Williams is an international. That's got us at seven of the eight that have been allotted to us. That means there's one open. Um, questions that we've had. Uh, Junior Burgos is not an international, and Harrison Heath is not an international. They both have, I believe, both have green cards, so they're both considered domestic players. So seven of the eight are filled. We still have the other designated player slot. I would expect that there will be other international players brought in. We've talked about the two from Newell's who would be international slots. Uh, there's also the possibility, and we've talked about it before, of a Jeffrey O2 specifically, or Romario Williams because of that condition in his trade, being loaned for the year and not taking an international spot. So there's a little bit of play in it, but there's seven on the roster at this moment. That doesn't mean all seven of those will be on the roster on opening day. Yeah. Um, I'm just laughing now. Even the mainland over at uh, Orlando City is wondering what the hell Minnesota is doing. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just where it's at at this point is, did Minnesota oversleep and not set their alarm for the trade window? Because this is nuts. They're going to um, wake up at noon. <laughs> they set their clock to the wrong time zone. Wake up at noon. All right, let's go make some. I mean, it's over. What? Oh, jeez. Um, all right, so we have uh, about two minutes left. Something to be on the lookout in terms of international slots, some teams that at least at a glance look like they might have some available um, to trade. <laughs> Our good friends in Chicago uh, looks like they might have three slots available to trade. Houston could have some spots to trade. And when we go back to – the beginning of the show, which was a long time ago now, there was a rumor about Houston making a deal with Atlanta. Maybe it's an international slot that's being moved rather than a player. Uh, New England could have some spots. Uh, Seattle actually could. Kansas City and Toronto could. So there's, there's a few teams sitting on open international slots, uh, according to everybody's best guess. Uh, Jarrett, we're down to the end. What are your your impressions of the day for Atlanta United? Very productive, exactly what we expected it to be, the same guys we expect to hear from. Um, not disappointed. Uh, if, you know, like I said, we won't know the money, but the idea of – I hate the idea that Sean Johnson is gone because I was looking forward to watching him play in Atlanta. Uh, sucks that he's not going to be here. But if you're going to get Guzan, then, uh, then get Guzan. Um, rest of the moves make sense. You brought in your center back that you were looking to bring in. Uh, you got another attacking force up front. 
a couple defensive mids as well. I mean, it's, it's starting to shape up the roster. Now, it doesn't mean all these guys will stay here throughout. doesn't mean they'll start. doesn't mean they'll contribute. Things could always happen. Um, I'm, I'm okay with this. This was expected to be a busy morning. It wasn't as chaotic, I think, as we were fearing it might be, or I shouldn't say fearing, hoping it might be. Um, it was still a morning of, of things getting done for Atlanta, and the window it, closes here in just a moment. It was a big day. Uh, thanks to all of you listened. If you listened to the whole three hours, we, we owe you uh, at least a Coca-Cola, possibly a beer at some point. Thanks for all the comments, questions. I'll see you guys tomorrow night for the Facebook live chat on the expansion draft. See ya. Thanks. Mucha plata.